ladies and gentlemen, we're here at Real Deal Talk with my guy, John Heinrichs. Dude, I'm fired up about this. Let's I, go, man. And I know the listeners and viewers are too. John Heinrichs, lead pastor with his wife, Becky, at Awakened Church Balboa. And dubbed the most handsome man at Awakened Church. <laughs> <laughs> Look, by who? By, by everybody. Look at him. He's a specimen. He's ripped. He walked up. I'm like, bro. Hopefully, most people will just be listening to this because he's, he's going to put me to shame on camera. Uh, here. Look at him! So. Look at that! Look at the frosty highlights in the in the, the hair. I, you know, I was going for that look. Were you? I am. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw am. that. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I found you that you good. Were, I found. Yeah, you know, try, trying to turn the clock back a little bit here. Yeah. Um, and this guy, look, you would think he's twenty-seven. He's forty-seven. Forty-seven, folks. Take a look. And, and if you're listening to this, turn on the YouTube and, and look at the video. You got to you got to look at this guy. He, <laughs> this is special. You know they need to they need to they need to cryogenically freeze this guy for for <laughs> generations to come because this this can't be just one generation right here. <laughs> People are gonna turn it on and be disappointed. I know. Like where, where's this going? Where is it? Where is this going? All right, all right. So we're gonna get it. You guys know how we do. We're gonna get into the backstory. I'm gonna dig a little bit, but I want to I want to do a little quick teaser here so you guys stick around and and know how powerful this is gonna be. Uh, John here, uh, I, I, I've you know heard through the grapevine, meaning people have told the story briefly, and I've just heard brief little excerpts of it. The fact that, and I'm just gonna, I'm literally just going to plant a seed quickly, and then we're gonna get, then I'm gonna dig. All right. So John had a <clears throat> a very near death experience in a hospital that only a miracle pulled him through. All right, which is I, the most unreal story that one of the most unreal stories I've ever heard. So I'll, that's all I'm gonna say about that right now. But we're gonna get we're gonna come full circle around that. Good. Ho- hopefully, hopefully we, hopefully we don't. Uh, <clears throat> hopefully it's not, it's in the second hour, the first hour, not the third hour, whatever. <laughs> but we'll get there. We're gonna get there. All right. So John, let's go back, buddy. Where were you? Uh, where Where are you from originally? I, I actually know really. Other than that story, I know nothing. Other than you being a specimen, and I know nothing about you. All right. Yeah. So where, where are you from originally? Where were you born and raised? Born and raised in uh, San Diego, in La Mesa, East County. You were? Yeah, I was born here. Wow. It's not too many of us. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. So what? Uh, where were you in the 90s? In the anytime, 90s? Anytime someone's near my age, yeah. I ask where you were in the 90s. So in the 90s... Were you I, at Pacific Beach at all? No, nah, I, I grew up in uh, La Mesa, so I went there, and then in 90, I graduated in 93 and went to UCLA But for clearly four years. you surfed, right? No. No? Let's play sports, man. I don't have time to surf. Yeah, I don't like cold water. <coughs> Dude, you're just like me. <laughs> yeah, they tried to get me to surf back and I'm like, you're out of your mind. Yeah, it's buddies. Much. It's like, why would I want to wake up at five and go freeze my butt off <laughs> in the ocean? It's like, nah. Yeah, yeah see, I'm, I'm good. On that. All right, so La Mesa. Yeah. Um, give me give me the child. Uh, give me a summary of the childhood. Uh, parents uh, together, brothers and sisters. What happened there? Yep. Got um, two older sisters, um, so I basically had three moms growing up. Oh yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so my sisters were awesome. They still are. They still live in San Diego. Uh, my parents still together, like I don't know, fifty something years. Really together? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's rare. Yeah. So I had a really good, you know, pretty good upbringing, man. Like, wow. And I'll tell you, John. Um, I think you're the second out of like thirty podcasts I've done so far that's had an actual normal childhood. Listen, we haven't dug in yet, but yeah. from what you just said to me, parents yeah. together, loved your sisters, 
parents were great. So talk to me here. What what uh, what would you say was the, the were you guys churchgoers early on? What would you say was the what would you attribute to you guys being like solid as a family core? Yeah, my my parents were are Christians. Mm-hmm. My their parents were Christians. Um, so I'm at least you know the third generation of Christians in yeah. my family. Um, I mean, we weren't perfect. Obviously, we we uh, went to church um, growing up, and then kind of when high school hit, sports kind of took over. Yeah. And so kind of took a little hiatus personally from church for quite a while. I mean, we would still go if I was in town or we were, you know, didn't have a soccer tournament or something like that. But yeah. sports kind of took took over even through college, obviously. And yeah. then um, so, yeah, but I did grow up in going to church and, you know, the, the one thing I didn't have growing up, though, I didn't have any really Christian friends. Mm. And so um, I found that, you know, if you want to live a Christian life, you got to have Christian friends. Otherwise, it's just. Yeah. The, the pull of the world is too strong. It's too strong. Yeah. You you are who you hang around. You become who you hang around. That's right. It's very simple. Yep. So why would you say you didn't have any? Was there just none around? I, was I it a dying breed? Was I don't know if they, maybe I did and they just didn't tell me or, you know, like none of the kids I went to church with. I didn't go to a church like I go to now where they got like youth ministry and kids yeah. church and all that kind of stuff. It wasn't exciting. So I'd go and sit in big church and draw on the tithe envelopes and, you know, fall asleep and whatever. And so then... Um, and I would hang out with my sports guys, you know, yeah, with my guys on teams and stuff like that. And so. to your knowledge, none of the sports guys were Christians, and you, mm-hmm. you just didn't talk about it, or you, yeah. or you knew they weren't. I mean, they might have believed in God, but none of them really went to church. None of them went to my church, yeah, for sure. Um, not until really I met my wife that I have Christian friends. Mm. And when did you meet her? I'm not. I don't want to jump too far ahead. Yeah, here, yeah. But what what age did you meet her? Uh, Twenty seven. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, don't. We're not jumping there yet. Hold yeah. on. Hold on. Hold the phone, <laughs> Chuck. <laughs> Spencer. All right. So, all right. So, how, what sports were your main sports? Growing up, my main sport was soccer and baseball. Nice. Mm-hmm. What position you play in uh, baseball? Baseball, I played shortstop. Shortstop. Yep. 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 Pitcher. And, nice. Mm-hmm. And did you go further than uh, which? <coughs> excuse me. Which uh, which sport did you go further in? Like into college? Uh, baseball. Really? I stopped playing soccer when I was a freshman in high school. Um, even though I was on like you know the best team in San Diego, yeah. one state twice why just um, the nomads because um in high school no one goes to the soccer games <laughs> they go to the basketball games that's true so i was like and football yeah and football and so i was like ah the the varsity basketball coaches i came in i saw you play i played like one year in eighth grade on like a rec team and he's like i want you on varsity next year come out for the team i went out for jv because i'm like i'm a freshman yeah he came and grabbed me and said no i want you on varsity i told you last year why aren't you why aren't you up here and i'm like yes sir yeah here i come yeah. Yeah, in basketball. Yeah, in basketball, because it was like, you know, everyone came to the games. It was exciting. And I'd played soccer since I was six, you know, so I'd played for like 10 years. And I was just kind of like, I want to try something new. Yeah. Yeah. And so how'd you do in basketball? I did all right. I mean, you know, made varsity as a freshman, played a few years, you know, then I started getting injuries later in my high school. So you I did. Know, I don't know if you want to hit that yet, but yeah. In so in high school, you already had injuries. Was it, were the injuries in basketball? My first one was in football. So my football. Jun- junior so you did year, play football. I did play football. Yeah, my freshman year, I started playing football. Loved it. Running back, quarterback. What were you? I played receiver and free receiver. safety. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What was your height and weight, or what was your weight in, in uh, high school? Graduated when, when like played? six. Graduated. I was six foot, like one eighty five. I was like full, full grown. Yeah. Yeah, as a senior, that's where I was. One eighty five. Where? Yeah. yeah, I was exactly one Not yeah, about five eleven, one eighty five. So when not I'm your probably, age, I'll be what two fifteen, something like that. 
Uh, a little bit above that. I'm a little <laughs> north of that at this point. But hey, who's counting? Yeah. 227.5 now. <laughs> no. Uh, so free safety. So what was your favorite sport then at that point? In high school, my favorite sport was definitely football. Really? Yeah. No kidding. I yeah. thought you were going to say soccer. No. Beautiful. I love that. And so, and then, uh, so basketball, oh, so football, you said football was the injury? My okay. first one, yeah. Which, which uh, what position were you so playing? So I was playing, I was actually playing safety on defense. I had tackled a guy out of bounds and I was having like a great year. I was getting a lot of looks from colleges and, and stuff. And um, halfway through the season, I tackled this guy at Granite Hills. Obviously, I'll never forget it. Never forget Out of bounds. Our strong safety jumps on the pile. Guy's already tackled, already out of bounds, lands on my knee, Ugh. tweaks my knee from the side. Um, tore my ACL, but I didn't know it yet. So I went in the locker room, got checked out by the Did trainer. Did you play the rest of the game? No, I came back out, second half, first play, you know, the hole opens wide open. The running back comes through. We go heads up, and my knee just buckles. And I th- chuck my helmet to the sideline and walked out, and that was it. You knew it was, you knew Tore it was my done. ACL, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So when you made the tackle out of bounds, was that the end of the half or something? No. I like just, how, Didn't it, you go out back on the field? Uh, no, because it was hurt. So oh, okay, I came gotcha. off, uh, and then I it. went okay. straight. It was first half, so I went straight to the locker room. Got it. And got to start getting checked out, yeah. And they actually thought, okay, you're good to go to come back? I guess. I was running figure eights, you know. And, you know, back then I didn't think I was – I thought I was indestructible, so I just went back in. Maybe it was slightly torn on the first one, and then that was it as soon as you put weight on it? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Wow. It's bad. It's bad. So you knew as soon as it it happened when the running back came through that you you were done? Done, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, and then I went to the trainer. I went to a doctor, and they said, yeah, you're never going to play football again. Are you serious? Yeah. And I was like, What? What? Yeah, I'm like 17, you know, and and love sports, obviously. And so then I got a second opinion. Uh, and then a guy from my team, his dad used to play for the Chargers, San Diego Chargers. So this story could go on a little bit, yeah, but yeah. but he he gets me in touch with the Chargers doctor. So I'm what like, was the guy's name that, that played for the Chargers, by the way? Pat Curran. <clears throat> okay. So um, his son Vin, Vince was on my team. Yeah. So I go to I go to the doc. The Chargers doctor. So I meet like Miles McPherson. Yeah. I meet like Gilbert. All these Chargers are in there. I'm like, this place is sweet. Yeah. So he checks me out. He's got, um, you know, cutting edge on rehab. He's like, I'll get you back in four to six months. All this kind of stuff. So I go in, choose him for my um, my doctor. We didn't have a lot of money back then. You know, I didn't grow up with with like a lot of money. But my parents refinanced their car so they could pay for my surgery, which I always think is just you know I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. So I get my surgery, and then um, uh, I end up coming back in three months. Three months? So I skipped basketball season, but I started in the baseball season. Had to wear a big brace, but I played my junior year of baseball, yeah, with a big old brace. But wow. yeah. Where'd you bat in the line at leadoff batter? Uh, third. Third. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's the best hitter. Yeah. yeah. And shortstop, yeah. yeah. That's the number one, uh, basically, fielder on the whole team. I, went, I actually played second, short, and third in high school. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love baseball. That was my number one sport. Was it? But I but I love football the most. I was yeah. best at baseball. Um, but anyway, so um, all right. So you got the, so then when you came back, when was the second injury? So the second injury um, was the next year. I played football again because football is first, you know. Yeah. Played football again. Loved it. We had a great great year. And then basketball. Shouldn't have played basketball. Basketball like second or third game in. The only reason I played basketball is because I wanted to dunk in a game. <sighs> And uh, 
you know, I could jump a little bit, so I, yeah. I actually got to the point where I could dunk, and I played for some stupid reason. Oh, no. So, like, a few games in, tore it again. Well, did um, you just make a move? And it just yeah, like, I just kind of, like, went in the lane and stopped, and my knee kept going. And so same just, knee? Same knee, yep, same knee. Did it again. So then I played my senior so, year. So what's the pain? Did you, were you, like, yelling in pain or – uh, I mean, it's painful, but it's not like that. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. say it's like that. Yeah, it's just like... But you knew immediately when you did it yeah, again. Yeah, felt exactly the same. Yep. So that happened again. You called the same guy, the same rehab, everything? Same guy, same rehab. Um, He's cashing in on you. Did it again, yeah. But I actually didn't get surgery till after baseball season. So I played my senior year of baseball with no ACL, just a brace. Oh, um, really? Yeah, because I didn't have time. You know, it's like too close. I didn't want to miss my senior year of baseball. So how did you how did you think your play was your play was it yeah. not as good or still just as good? I mean, I did good. I um I mean I was player of the year and stuff in San, really? San Diego with a freaking no ACL. Yeah. yeah. Were you still as fast? I was still pretty fast. I mean, definitely like my knee hit or my muscles had atrophied a little bit for sure, but I was still pretty fast. I was still pretty strong. Um, but yeah, it was definitely wow. you know it wasn't easy by any means. I was in you know a lot of pain. A lot of what, times. What was your forty time in, in football? You know, we didn't even we never did that really? back then. Yeah, I did a sixty for yeah. baseball. Yeah, it was like six six. So it's interesting because yeah. back back in my day too, were similar days. Yeah, four years ahead of you only. Yeah, forty thing wasn't as big as it is now. Like it's one of the right. main criteria. The thing. What's your, what your yep. forty time? Yep. Wow, that's I'd love to know what it, people you, ask me that all the time. I'm like, I don't know what I was. You probably would have been like a four three four four, don't you think? Four, I think five, so. Maybe? Yeah, because I mean, I was one, you know, yeah, pretty fast. Because our yeah. fastest guy was like four seven four eight. Yeah, back back then. So okay. you were probably four. Because I think the the what's the world record like four two or four one? Yeah, those something guys stupid. are crazy. Like Dion, four yeah, Dion, or something like that. Who's the other guy? Um, Daryl Green. Yeah, remember Daryl? Yeah, I remember Daryl. Yeah. yeah. All right, so so the second injury now, you, but you still played baseball. That was senior year. Did you have another injury? I had a surgery after my second one. They just cleaned up my meniscus, so I yeah. did have a surgery, but it wasn't like a reconstruction. Yeah. So then, yeah. So then I had surgery after my senior year of baseball. Went to UCLA, you know, with a brace on in the fall league. Okay, so um, hold on. You went to UCLA. You got drafted for baseball. Yeah. Not drafted, but not drafted, but yep. yeah, recruited. Yeah. Okay, recruited. Yeah. Yep. So, um, did they say anything about the knee? Like, Hey, you got to get this fixed before you can come play with us. Or they just, I mean, I was damaged goods. Right. Cause I, yeah. even though I was, you know, player of the year, player of the year, you know, best player on my football team, all that kind of stuff. I was still damaged goods. Cause yeah. I was, you know, two surgeries yeah. in three surgeries in by the time I even got to college. And so I got, I was like recruited walk on is what they called it. Yeah. And, um, so, and I was my dream to go to UCLA. So, um, you know, I was actually living my dream. I was the only school I wanted to go to. Um, and then, so what, I got what, to go. Why was that the dream? Like, how did you get, how did you stumble on UCLA? So when I was 10, I went to a baseball camp at El Cap High School. And the coach of UCLA was there. And he gave a speech and talked about baseball, talked about college and stuff. And from that day, my parents actually reminded me. I started buying UCLA hats, UCLA sweatshirts. I always wanted to go there. So it was just, you know, met the coach when I was 10. Yeah. That was it. And that's what did it. Yeah. So this guy's it. inspiring words yeah. is what did it. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. And he ended up still being my coach. So, no way. You know, eight years later. Did you tell whatever. him that's why you went there? Yeah. You told yeah. him? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Because you never, you never know, John, who you're inspiring. I know. You never know. Look at that. Because you, you didn't meet him till like, what, 18 then? Yeah. So eight years went by. He had no idea that he inspired some 10-year-old kid. 
because of the words he said. Yeah. That your entire, let's say, future yeah. life went on a different path because of something he said in that speech. Yeah. Right? Incredible. You when know, you think about it, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. It is crazy. So just, you know, it's just, it's a word to everybody out there. Yeah. If you got something to say, say it. Yeah. Just do it. Say it. Put it out there on social media because you're going to inspire somebody. Yeah. You know, yeah. really cool, dude. All right. So give me the, what, what happened there and baseball in uh, UCLA? Yeah, I went to UCLA. So played there. How All right. I... So hold on. Okay. Hold on. So when you get to UCLA, what was it like with the the whole campus and the girls and the, was it just crazy? Yeah. Well, I'm thinking there's 30,000 people there. There's got to be 15,000 girls there. Yeah. Like, I'm in heaven. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to meet my wife here. It's yeah. going to be incredible. Um, but honestly, I don't even, I didn't really date anybody seriously in college yeah. from UCLA. And now, Christian at this time. Yeah. Now, were you like Christian, like nothing before marriage, all that stuff? No. No, okay. No. Okay. I definitely. No. <laughs> I call it BC before Christ, even yeah. though I was saved. But like, I would have gone to heaven, but I would have limped in. I would have yeah. limped in. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad I asked that question yeah. because I know people are, as we're talking, are wondering. I'm yeah. wondering. All right. yeah. Oh my, that's so funny. Um, all right, so you get there, and there's so what? What was the environment like? Was it as everything you dreamt of? It was awesome because I got to go with a guy from my high school, so I knew one guy, one person. And um, and we had a really good recruiting class of freshmen for baseball. So, you know, the best thing about going to college on a team is you got friends right off the yeah. bat. So even though right. I didn't know anybody, 30,000 people, I had really good friends before the season started. Yeah. So made really great friends um, when I got there. I was living in the dorms, you know, we're freaking chewing tobacco, playing RBI baseball on Nintendo. You know, it was like so fun, man. Yeah. You know, first time on my own. Yeah, freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Like living large. Yeah. And so, uh, so then how did, how did, um, like, give me the whole scenario, like baseball, did you get right into it? Did you have, did you have any injury injuries in college too? Um, no injuries in college. So I, um, started playing, I made the, I made the travel team as a freshman, so I didn't redshirt or anything. And yeah. so as a recruited walk on, it's a pretty big deal, yes. you know? And so, um, that was good. I got to, I was kind of like a utility guy. Um, so when we would go, if I fill in for like shortstop, second base, even outfield. And then what happened was, this is kind of funny on my recruiting trip to UCLA, I was playing third base at the time, my senior year in high school, I played third base. Yeah. And so I go to my, on my recruiting trip, my senior year to UCLA and I meet, you know, they take you to parties and they're like, it's going to be all, you know, they're trying to study on the yeah. school. You know, little did they know like that was really my only choice. Yeah. So I go there and I meet this guy at this party and, and he's, um, introduced himself. He's like, yeah, I'm Zach Amarato. And I'm like, call him John Harris. He's like, what position do you play? And I was like, third base. And I was like, what position do you play? And he's like, third base. And it was like this stare down. Oh God. And I was like, oh crap. You know, like this guy, you know, probably hates me already. And I'm his position. So I get there. He ends up being this super cool dude. Um, but he was a year older than me yeah. and he started. So if I wanted to play, I had to change my position right. really. And so I started chasing balls in the outfield. Um, and then my sophomore year, our center fielder had an absolute cannon. His name was Brett Schaefer. We're at Hawaii, game two of the season, in warm-ups. He takes the ball from the center field wall, tries to throw it all the way home to show off because he's got scouts there and everything else. Blows his arm out. Wow. And so they put me in center field, second game of my sophomore year, and I started every game after that. you got to be kidding me. Yeah. So it was and crazy. Did, did he not warm up, or he warmed up, and that's just a ridiculous yeah, throw? I just think he overdid it, man. 
And I mean, he had a cannon, dude. Like it was so lasers from center field. So as soon as he hit it, through it, did he just go like this? Yeah, he was like, oh. And then, and I didn't actually have, I didn't actually see it happen. Yeah. Um, but he came and didn't play that game, and they, you know, threw me in there. So I got, got to go in. Wow. I was actually gonna, I was actually gonna try out for football the next year because I'm not gonna go there and sit on the bench forever. Yeah. And so, um, but anyways, I got and, in, and that was it. And because of his injury, that's what that's what got you in. Got to be prepared, man. Exactly. So then you played center field mm-hmm. from that the whole, what, three, four years? I played center field that year, and then I moved to left field my junior year and senior year. You never played the infield in college? No. You're kidding me. Mm-hmm. That's crazy, bro. Because yeah. I, I played infield shortstop and third my whole yeah. 10 whatever years. I could never. I can't play the outfield. Yeah. I hated it. Yeah, I could not judge that ridiculously far high ball. I hated it. Yeah. So for you to tr- uh, be able to make that transition is incredible. Yeah. Because normally you're one or the other. Yeah. For some reason, you know, I was obviously I could run, so I was you know could yeah. get, to, get to the balls. But for some reason, it seemed to really it was easy for me to judge the fly balls. I don't know why. Wow. Like when I got out there, I was like, this is nothing compared to like third base when you're getting you know. Yeah, the hot corner. The hot corner. So. Yeah. yeah, dude. I, I was the opposite. Like, I loved yeah. getting hit fast, taking them off the chest. And, yeah. <laughs> you know. But look yeah. at your chest, man. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the outfield's like, oh, this is terrible. Yeah. I hate this. Yeah. Um, all right. So college now. And so so uh, give me any other things happen in college that were kind of monumental in your life, what you learn, any good uh, subjects, any good friends that you met that changed your life. Did you meet any Christians in college? Met a few Christians in college. I went to um, Athletes in Action a couple of times, which is like a Christian on-campus club thing. Um, didn't really stick. You know, I had a couple of cool, cool guys on my team that were Christians, but, you know, it's kind of like when you're in that environment, you know, I wasn't strong enough to not be peer pressured into the partying right. and all that kind of stuff. I never did drugs or anything, yeah. just drank and partied and um, all that kind of stuff. But one one thing that that happened that I've actually talked about, you know, preached about actually last night was um, I was just thinking thinking back my junior year, I hit three oh three or something like that with like three home runs. Okay, my which is okay. Yeah. So right after my junior year, I didn't get drafted. Right after my junior year, I go to Alaska to play in a summer league, and back then Alaska and Cape Cod were the top summer leagues in college baseball. So all the best players would go to either Alaska or Cape Cod for the summer. Yep. So I went to Alaska, played with all these guys I played against. It was super fun. But I had this coach that taught me a couple things. He said, hey, I want you to just tweak this thing about your stance, and that's going to cause you to tweak this thing about your swing. And he's like, just try it. And he was this older gentleman. I really respected him, good coach. And so I did it. And that summer, in two months, I hit over 400 against high-level competition. Wow. And I hit four home runs, which I'd only hit three in the whole the season whole. prior I only hit five my whole career, and I hit four in two months. So then I get back from Alaska, and I'm fired up because I had a really good, really good uh, summer. I get back, we get a new weight coach at UCLA, and he's like a like an Olympic type lifter dude. So he's focusing a lot on the lower half and the core. I had never been a leg guy. Yeah. I was always just like, you know, yeah. I hate doing legs. Yeah. So we focused on legs. Well, I gained ten pounds in one off season of muscle, mostly lower half. Yeah. And started taking creatine. I was back when creatine oh, was like creatine. just getting introduced. That it was, was like, yeah, it was awesome. So I'm like, this stuff is amazing. So All gained bloated. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I gained ten pounds in one off season. So not only did I fix a few things about my swing, but I gained ten pounds. So I went from hitting 303 with three home runs in my junior year 
to 355 with 28 home wow. runs my senior year. It you, was like ksh, you got to crazy. Be and then yeah. they're all like, "Oh, he's on steroids." Is that how, were they saying oh, that? At USC, we're at USC playing, and in the dugout, I'm up to bat, and they're yelling, "Heinroids!" Are you serious? Heinroids! No yeah, way. they're yelling at me. And then we go to Cal, and uh, and Cal, the the announcers are are literally accusing me on the air of doing steroids. Are you kidding me? And my dad's listening to this, going, "What the?" So he goes up to the booth and make, and tells him what time it is, and tells him my son's not on steroids. He's like, yeah, stop saying that. Stop spreading these rumors, you know. And so, Isn't that amazing, dude. Yeah, it's just amazing how I'm, I'm going to take a break on this and talk about this. How just normal people that don't know what it takes for the physical body or that don't lift themselves and never have that automatically accuse people that have any type of physical like muscle in their body for doing steroids. Like just an automatic thing. It's such a reaction for people. Yeah, it's like an insecurity that I need to project something on you. That that's the only reason you have muscle, right? Yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah. Like the announcers were doing it? The announcers were doing it. So it's like accusing somebody because they have a level of success, trying to pull them down to make yourself feel better. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's you just summed that's it up. That's what it is, yeah. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> that's so, it's funny that I asked that question. Yeah. Like, <laughs> let, me, let me guess. <laughs> yeah. Let me guess. Yeah, I know. You knew it. So I actually ended up getting my blood tested. Um, are you serious? Because scouts were, you know, my coach was like, yeah, you know, people are just wondering. Because, I mean, it was a drastic change, you know. Wow. And so. It was creatine. Came out creatine all natural, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when that first came out, dude, right? Yeah. You were like, whoa. That's like when it was. Yeah. At least what, from my memory. Because like we're, we're talking like, yeah, yes. Yeah. Mid-90s mid is when yeah. the first, I remember taking my first scoop, and it was back then, it was the bloating kinds, but, mm -hmm. you, but you were like, it's like whoa yeah creatine dude yeah. <laughs> all the football players were doing it I'm yeah. like yeah this is awesome unbelievable yeah all right so uh all right so keep going with the baseball when, when did uh like what happened at the end of the end of the career were you hoping to go into the major leagues minor league did you go i have no idea yeah that was my dream to play the big league so i did get drafted um after my senior year in the ninth round from the marlins florida marlins nice back then it was florida not miami so it's florida right. marlin so yeah. yeah i went and played in um kane county which is right outside of chicago my first year then i went to florida played in florida my second year then i played in portland maine my third year in double a and uh and that's when i got hurt again so hold on you went to you got drafted by the marlins mm -hmm. and this is what triple a double a um, you go to single A. Okay, okay. Typically, so you yeah. start in single A. Correct. Single, double, triple, right? And yep. then the big, the bigs. Yep. People don't realize like how good you have to be to actually make it to the big leagues, the major leagues, right? Yeah. Because even even to get the single A. Yeah. You're, you're a phenom. They say they say um, back then it was like seven percent of the players, you know, call it or I mean uh, draftable players, seven percent get drafted. Wow. And then from that group, like another, like seven percent make it to the, to the actual big leagues. Yeah, it was something like that, some crazy. Because stat. You, you heard the stats, folks. John was like player of the year, the number one player, and and even he just got drafted to single A. Double, you went, to, you made it to double A. Made it to double A, yeah. Did you get the triple <clears throat> A? Nope. No, okay, so so but on the, the third one is when you got injured. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you're right. I was like, I was like an all American at yeah. UCLA. You yeah. Know? So like the competition, wow, it's just like everybody's best player is now you're playing against, and then everybody's best player from that team, and then everybody's best player from that team. So it's like this pyramid. But I got so my my after my second year in pro ball, um, I went and played in a fall league, which is like a um, a um, 
prospect league. So they send prospects to there. So I was, I was, I was, um, baseball America said I was closest to the majors from the 97 draft with the Marlins. So like I was doing pretty good. Yeah. And then, um, I'm just running after a fly ball in the fall league and my knee pops and, um, same knee, same knee. And so I, um, had to stop playing, um, there. You knew, so you knew immediately when it happened, you're like, Oh God, here we well, go. Well, I thought it was just like, a. I didn't, I didn't think it was torn. I just thought it was something happened because it did pop and I did feel and it was super painful, Oof. more painful than before. Really? Yeah. So I waited a couple, I think I had like a 10 more days or two more weeks left of that season. So I just kind of waited it out and then went back to my doctor here in San Diego when I got home. And um, he went in to look at my knee, found out that my ACL had dissolved, completely Ooh. dissolved. I didn't have one anymore. He said, you probably haven't had one for about 18 months your bones have kind of grown in a little bit to compensate. And um, he's like, so yeah, you got to do surgery again. So I didn't do surgery because then I would have to skip the next season. So again, I played my double-A ball with the brace on, no ACL. And it was painful this time. I mean, this is, you know, the third time. Um, and so I had a pretty average year. I ended, and um, right before I was going to go back again, I would have had to get another surgery, ACL reconstruction, wait through the next year, and then play in two years. Yeah. And so I just I hung him up. I called them. That was it. I called him. I was like, hey, I'm, I'm not into this. So the, the terrible part about the whole story, yeah. and then we can move on, yeah. is I go and get a final surgery <clears throat> after, um, after I was done playing. And my doctor said, a different doctor this time, so it was the Marlins um, doctor because they were paying for the surgery. So they sent me this guy, and he said that your doctor Ooh. put your tent, your ligament in wrong. That's why it kept tearing. And so, you know, it was kind of devastating to know that I had a bad doctor. I went to him four times. He ended up getting, I won't say his name, but he ended up getting sued by tons of professional really? athletes. Um, he was addicted to painkillers. Um, so he was like this high-profile doctor that just tanked. And I guess he was messing up a lot of people. And, you know, a lot of people that were more important than me. So he got wow. he ended up losing his medical um, license and everything. you got to be kidding me. Yeah. And this was the quote-unquote specialist. Mm -hmm. And he said it's because he put it in wrong. Yeah, so every time, the reason it dissolved, he said, is because every time my knee would bend, it would rub. So eventually, over time, it just... Yeah. Oh, boy. Man, that's crazy. Yeah. But you got to think about that. So to, give me give me your thought on that. Like, when it first happened, were you pissed? Oh, so pissed, man. I mean, that's my career. That was my dream, you know? Like, he was messing, in my mind, he was messing my dream. And if he couldn't do it, just tell me. I'll go to somebody else. But you, you did four surgeries of mine. And, you know, you end up not being a wow. legit doc. I mean, he, um, you know, and he was a nice guy, cool guy. He was like a all-state athlete in three sports in like Wyoming, you know, which is probably the size of San Diego, yeah. but still, he, you know, good guy. And all these pros were going to him, so I'm thinking he's the best. And I'm sure he was, you know, I'm sure at, at, at a time he was good. I don't know. I don't and, know what happened. And so how did you get through that mentally? Like, who, who talked you off the ledge on that? Was your mom like, hey, whatever's meant to be? Like, how do you get through that? You know, for some weird reason, even though I wasn't, like, really committed to God at the time, I was a Christian. And I always just had this, like, faith and belief that God had something for me. God had something, you know, if that didn't work out, he had something else for me. 
And so, I mean, even to this day, it, if I think about it too long, it irritates me. Yeah. Because I would have liked to see, hey, could I, could I have made it to the big leagues with two good legs? I don't know. Maybe um, hmm. you have to be good and lucky, wow. right? But I, I, would, I would have liked to put up my skill against the best and see how, if I was at my best, if I could have made it. So th- those thoughts still creep in. Um, I've had to just kind of forgive the doctor, you know, over and over again just to make sure I'm not holding bitterness. I even have to forgive the guy uh, in high school that landed on my leg. He was The play was over. He jumped on the pile. He's never apologized to this day. Really? Yeah. So and, it's just, and he knew what he did? I, I He had to have known. I mean, I didn't tell him. I mean, he knew the play. He knew he had to have known. He just jumped on the pile. Yeah. So, you know, those things are hard wow. to deal with, you know? It's wow. like, ah, I wonder what would happen, you know? But... Anyway, so I just had to like over time just forgive and you know realize, but I don't I don't know how I would have done it if I didn't have God in my life and parents that always encouraged me. My yeah. parents always told me I could do anything I wanted to, so I actually believed it, you know. And what what did they when this happened and they found out this information? How did they guide you? Say, did they were they there to guide you through this? Like, yeah, like, hey, this is the way it was meant to be. Forgive him. Were they that gracious or? Uh, I mean, they, they more just, um, were there for me, I think, yeah. you know, it's hard to, it's hard to figure out words to say, you know, it's kind of like when someone, it's not really comparable when someone passed away or whatever, or some devastating thing happens. Sometimes it's hard to know exactly what to say, but the most important thing is to know that you're, you're there for somebody and that, um, you know, you're supporting them and you're, you're just there to talk to them and hear them out and encourage them. So, so later in life now, like looking back. Are the things that have that have happened that are, are kind of a result of that happening? The fact that you didn't go on this major league path, have you been able to connect dots that happened because that happened? Does it make sense? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I um, looking back, I would have never probably met my wife. I was gonna yeah. get. I was getting to this. Like yeah. I had a feeling. Yeah, she didn't know. She's she has no idea of my sports career. So I met her after I was done pretty shortly after I was done. Um, you know, I got into real estate right after. Um, so I met some cool people there. So you went through college, you went to the double A. So how, at what age now did this, the final one that said, that's it. So I was 26, 26. Yeah. Okay. So go from there. Yeah. Did I, you, get, you went right into real estate. Yeah. I didn't want to be that guy. So growing up in, um, at UCLA, there was always these guys that were playing pro ball that would come back and, and practice in the off season with us or, you know, you know, use the batting cages and stuff like that, hanging around. And some of these guys were getting older in their late twenties and, um, yeah, back then older in their late twenties and they're still trying to hang on, still believing in the dream. And I always told myself, as soon as I stop going forward, I'm out. I don't want to be that guy. You know, I got a life ahead of me. Baseball's not everything. I loved it, but it's not everything to me. You know, like I feel like I have, you know, skills and other desires and motivations in life, not just to, you know, do that. So I didn't want to be that guy because I know how I felt about those guys. Yes. Like, dude, why are you still here, man? Just yeah. go start your life, yeah. you know? Yeah, cat, yeah, pack it in. Yeah, pack it in. So I, so that's what happened to me when I was like, when I was thought, stop moving, I'm like, I'm not going to take two more years and just hope that I'm going to be good again, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I got yeah straight into commercial real estate. How'd you get into that? Who, who, how'd you find it? I was, um, it was actually when I was actually playing baseball one night at like 12 p.m. at night because you play from like 7 to 10, then you're still kind of jacked up. So it takes you a little time to wind down. So I'm watching infomercials and um, 
in Florida in Cocoa Beach and I see Tony Robbins come on yeah. doing an infomercial and he's talking about modeling and he's talking about, hey, um, find somebody that you like what they do, ask them how they do it, do the same thing they do and you're going to get similar results. And so I was like, I always just remembered that. Yeah. So when I was done playing baseball, I looked around my life and I saw a guy in, in a, a really close friend of ours, family friend, he'd always wear t-shirts and shorts. He's always coaching his kids. He was always available to do stuff. And I'm like, so I went to him and I'm like, hey, how do I do what you do? And uh, he's like, go learn real estate, go into commercial real estate. Um, he explained the difference between commercial and residential to yep. me. And um, so, and he, and he knew a manager of a firm in LA. So he, I went and interviewed with this firm in LA called Marcus and Millichap. They're the number one investment uh, commercial brokerage house in the country at that time. Um, and so I interviewed with him, got the job, but as I'm driving to downtown LA, I'm thinking to myself, I'm ne I do not want to live here. And so I asked him to call the San Diego guy. They had a San Diego office, came down and interviewed here. Um, and this is hilarious. I, I come into the interview. I had zero work experience besides baseball. Right. That was my work experience. So I go and show my resume, which is super tiny, baseball, baseball, <laughs> baseball. And, um, but what was funny is after like five minutes of the interview, he's getting to know me, whatever. And he looks at my resume. He goes, you played baseball? I'm like, yeah. He's like, we have a company-wide softball oh, tournament God. next month. You're hired. <laughs> <laughs> that was it, dude. And so I got hired um, for that purpose, for the uh, softball tournament. Kidding, yeah. Mate. So it was funny. But it was interesting because- Did you dominate? Oh, yeah. I knew nothing about commercial real estate. I knew nothing about anything. <laughs> And so, but it was funny because I knew nothing about real estate, but then when I got in the environment of baseball, all of a sudden I became the, you're the guy people were looking to. So I gained this like immediate credibility in the office. So it was so kind of Hold cool. on, go give, give me the first game. What happened? What did you put position short? No, I played outfield. They put, I go, let were me you, play, let you me were play outfield. Okay this time? Yeah, I was running still pretty good. Yeah. And this was, this is literally like three or four months after I was retired. Was it like co-ed? Was it? No, it was just guys. Guys? Yeah, it was just guys. But the funniest thing is, like, I'm playing in the outfield, and I'm just like, you know, I mean, I can still run. I yeah. just got done playing, so I was still in really good shape. And so, anyways, I um, I get the ball in the outfield, and in this one play, you know, guys running from second to home trying to score on a base hit. So I get the ball, and I chuck it home. And the guy that was playing catcher is like this, and the ball just goes and hits him like right in the stomach he totally misses so the ball yeah and then that happened a couple of times like it because like it was such a bullet throwing balls off of people and stuff it was pretty funny so that was the funniest part was like whoa were, yeah. they, were they all like in yeah. awe yeah. where'd you get this guy yeah they're what'd you do at the plate cool. were you just cranking him you know it's funny i don't even remember but yeah i was just hitting i mean i was i i, I was yeah <laughs> I was probably, yeah, still doing pretty good at that point. But it was just, but for me, it, it was like instant credibility. Yeah. You know, it was like all of a sudden I went from like this little tool that doesn't know anything to like somebody that could relate to everybody. And so it was really for my, um, my own psyche and coming into an environment. I didn't know anyone. I didn't know how to do anything. Um, it kind of leveled me up really fast. That's incredible. Yeah. We could, we could dig further on that. Yeah. Like to, to, to connect dots there yeah like how important it was and like all right so go on with the when did you realize did you like real estate what what uh talk to me about that yeah i liked it um so the guy that i started to work for um was a guy named randy rivera super cool guy um he was only 29 
and he was killing it. He was the number one retail guy in the office, wow. selling like shopping centers and stuff like that. And so that was just by default what I got into was selling, you know, shopping centers and single tenant investments and stuff like that. And so he was really cool. He was a sports guy. He wanted to hire an athlete. So, you know, we had a lot of connection there. And he was not that much older than me, but he was doing really good. And you know, he, he taught me something really good. He was like, um, I'm going to change your life. This is like day one. Yeah. I mean, I was hooked like that because I interviewed with three guys. Yeah. And he was the last one. And I was like, oh, I'm going with you. Um, he said, I'll, I, I will change your life. I'm going to teach you everything I know how to do. I'm basically going to create my own competition. But he said, I'm going to pour everything I know into you and you're going to be successful. I'm going to change your life financially. And I was like, I'd never heard anybody talk like that before, you know? And so most guys will not teach you everything they know because right. they want to be the top dog. You know, they want to be, they don't want to create their own competition because yeah. they think they're going to, you're going to compete against them. But what happened was, and I learned this from him and it's really kingdom is he taught me everything he, he knew. He taught a few other, other guys everything they knew. And instead of us going out and doing our own thing, when he started his own firm, we all went with him. Ah. So when you pour yourself into somebody, you don't create division. You actually create loyalty. Yes. And that's what he did. And so that, that, he taught me that for the very first time. And that's, and that's very kingdom. And I learned a lot from him um, in that work environment um, that actually is biblical. And so for those that haven't watched Tom Foster's uh, interview on my podcast, explain kingdom in, in one paragraph real quick. for Because right now you said kingdom two or three times. I'm sorry. And there's some people going, well, okay, yeah. this is kingdom thing. Basically, basically living like biblically, living like what the Bible says. Yep. And um, it's, it's living a, a, doing things the right way, doing things generously, doing things... Um, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say the way he lived his life was kingdom, but a few of the principles that he taught Got were it. kingdom or biblical. Um, and so, you know, we could go on on kingdom is a little bit different than what I would yeah. I would say what he was, but the principles right. were very biblical. Which, which I would is say. pouring into others, pouring into others. You know, everything do, doing the right thing. Yeah, doing the right thing, yeah. living the right way. Yep. You know, he was very generous. He was very. Um, um, available for me. He wasn't like, I'm better than you. He wasn't prideful, you know, he was very humble. So yeah, a lot, a lot of things like that, a lot of principles. Love it. And yeah. so now, so now when you went to his firm, how'd that go? And Good. how old are you now? You're 26, 27 ish. Um, well, so what happened was I was 26. Yeah. Started working for him to 27. Then I took a little hi hiatus, um, went to a startup sports company. So it was a dumb move. Went to a startup sports company. Why'd you do that? Because I was like, oh my gosh, I could get back into sports. You know, I still miss uh, sports. And um, and for him, I was just, you know, I was teaching him how to do a database. I was, you know, doing admin. I was taking pictures of every building in San Diego, finding out who the owners were. I was doing all the research stuff to build his database, um, which one day I could have had access to. But um, it wasn't like the funnest job, even though it was a cool environment. I liked him. Um but so, but when I when I had the opportunity to go back into sports, I was like, I already know sports. Like, so what's this other opportunity? Where did it come from? Um, it was a bad a hitting coach of mine growing up, and he called me and he said, "Hey, there's this new product that we've invented, and basically, I want you to come work for us if you can." You know, like, and so I was. Um, it was a it was a wrap that went around a, a wooden bat, and it made it like three times stronger. 
Um, and there was a couple other products. The guy that invented the graphite golf shaft was the guy that was on board making this stuff. Yeah. So it was kind of cool. Um, so then that lasted for about a year. We, we didn't, um, we weren't successful. Um, another, another thing I learned in that business was that the main investor didn't want to bring in any other investors, even though we were going up in sales every, every month, he didn't want to bring any other investors in because he didn't want to lose equity. Yeah. So he would rather, you know, own a hundred percent of nothing than 50% of something. And so I learned that, you know, like he was not generous. He was kind of greedy, wanted all for himself and ended up crushing the company. Um, and so then I called that guy that I went to work for and I said, Hey, you're one guy I've met in my life who I know knows how to make money. What do you think? Is there any more opportunities, you know, with you or whatever? This is the the commercial real estate, commercial real estate guy. And so he said, funny, you call me right now because I just got an opportunity to buy a property management company. And he goes out of all the people that I've met in real estate, you're the only person that I'd ever go into business with. And so we ended up buying that company together and you know, I ran it um, for probably five years. Um, we did did really well, and then um, with with his other firm, I was kind of I was kind of doing a little bit of both. I was doing sales and management, um, so that was pretty cool. We did that for a little bit. And so then, uh, so when when does Wifey come into the mix? Because I know we're getting around that age now. Yeah, so Wifey comes in about a, um, when I was with the property management company when we had bought bought that and met her and. Um, you know, by that time, the real estate thing was a little bit getting a little bit shady. Like I'd been, yeah. I'd been like in that world for a little while, and it's similar to baseball. It's like a bunch of dudes, you know, in the bullpen they call it, and you know, it's just like a kind of a man's business, I guess. Uh, at least it was back then. Yeah. And so um, I started to feel like, and then I, and then you know, we had started coming to Awaken Church, and I started to feel like this pull from God. A what what bit. year is this? This is, um, so this is gosh, about 16, got, 16, 17. Yeah, we got, we've been there for 16 years. So this yep. must have been 2007 or eight. Okay, like gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And so were you going to Awaken before you met Becky? No. Oh. No, we met, we were going to another church. I actually stole her from her church and brought All her right, to All right, come church. on, go back. Yeah, so, back. so we meet, meet. My dad is a probation officer, was for 30 years in the county. Um, he got to a point in his career where he was making as, he could have made as much in retirement as he was when he was working. So he retired. All these guys retired. Well, because all these guys retired, they lost a lot of their workforce, you know, in the probation department. So they rehired my dad. But instead of El Cajon, he went downtown. So he goes downtown. He ends up being my wife's supervisor. So he comes to me. He's like, John, you got to meet this girl in my office. And I'm like, really? A probation officer? Like that did not sound attractive to me. <laughs> I was like, she was a probation officer. Yeah. Get I was like, here. does she have like a beard? You know, like, I don't know. I just, I had these weird thoughts about like what a probation officer woman would look like. And I saw, I'm like, dad, is she, is she good looking or is she nice? You know? And, um, he's like, she's at least as good looking as your ex-girlfriend. And so I was like, all right, I'll go, I'll go see her. You know? So it took me a while, but my dad, I think just saw me, you know, flailing away and said, I got to hook my son up. So anyways, he, he, um, calls me down to his office to go to lunch. She knows I'm coming down. It's super awkward, man. And so, and so he told her about you. Yeah, he told her about me. And um and she's like and she's like, um she's like, Okay, whatever. She thought it was awkward too. But anyways, so I come down, the elevator opens up. I, my dad meets me downstairs. I'm gonna go up and, and you know, see his office and like run into her basically. 
and she's standing right there about to go to lunch with her friend. So we have this awkward like 30 second introduction. We're not even looking at each other, you oh, know, God. it's just so awkward. So then she goes to lunch and I go to lunch with my dad. Anyways, my dad's like, hey, do you want her phone number? You want me to get her phone number? I'm like, sure, why not? You know, maybe she has hot friends. You know, I didn't even know. That yeah. was literally what I told my dad. And so he gets her number, which was not like my dad. He's super mellow. He's super laid back. It's not really his style. Um, and so he goes up to her and goes, hey, can I, get, can I get your number for my son? And my wife's like, my dad's name's Ted. She's like, Ted, you know, like, I live my life a certain way. Like, I'm a Christian. You know, it means the world to me to only, you know, be with other Christian men or whatever. And he goes, yeah, we go to the church. And so she's like, He's All like, right. yeah, we go to church? Yeah, yeah, we go to church. Um, and so he gives um, the number, or she gives the number, and we, and we talk, hit it off on the phone for a few weeks. And then, yeah, my first date, our first date, first time we saw each other was I went to her um, Bible study in Coronado. That was your first date? That was the first date. Only because it was just the first time we could actually see each other. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'll go with you. Why not? You know? Okay, so you got the number, right? Yeah. And, okay, do that. Yeah, there was, so did you text her or did you call her? Uh, we called back then. You, you called? Yeah. You actually talked text. to the phone? Yeah. Wow, that's odd. Yeah. All right, so, so you called her. Hey, it's John. Yeah, yeah. She's like, okay. Yeah. And, you know, I don't remember, like, how it all yeah. but we just hit it off. Like, she's so easy to talk to. Yeah. And so it was just. And so then the first actual date was a Bible study? Bible study. You're kidding me. So we go to Coronado. We, this was her Bible study? Her Bible study. Her church. I wasn't going to that church. They're having like a bonfire or something like that. So we walk in and I hear, we hear this voice, Heine, Heine. My nickname in high school was Heine. My last name is Heinrichs. Yeah. So there's these couple of girls that I knew from high school. And so I immediately knew some people. And so it was kind of, it kind of worked out really good. You know, so it's just, and, and, you know, God's hand was on it the whole yeah. time. Yeah. And so, uh, so dad, huh? Yeah. Pops. What's up with that? I told him, Dad, I mean, you're responsible, good or bad, man, for what happens. <laughs> so, then, so then after that, what happened? What, what, did you immediately start dating? Like, go out again? Yeah, our, our first, like, our next date, funny enough, was my parents' anniversary dinner with my sister. So she met my family, like, day one. Wow. Yeah, so she already knew my dad. But it was just, again, worked out where the dates were, like, she couldn't do stuff, I couldn't do stuff. And then the only, I'm like, do you want to come? It's yeah. kind of weird. It's my yeah. family. But, you know, my sisters loved her. My mom loved her. My dad already knew her, so. And so your sisters must have been big time protective about you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so then how did that, so now did she have the, her uh, Christian rules in place, like, hey, nothing before marriage, just so you know, did she lay those on you right away? Give me that. Yeah, we had to, we had to talk about that. And funny enough, she was actually, right when I met her, her ex-boyfriend came back into town that they had dated for four years in college. So she was like, kind of almost like deciding should she go back with this guy or should she date me so she ended up like going to god about it this whole thing happened it was kind of funny but anyways um she chose me so anyways we start dating and we had a talk early on because i had never done it the right way in a relationship either right and so but we had a talk early on because now um she was what i was praying for even when i was dating um previous girls i was praying for my wife becky uh, I was praying for a woman of God, yeah, someone, that was, someone that was beautiful, someone that was athletic, someone that loved God. Like I, I knew what I wanted. I just, like I said, I had no Christian friends. I wasn't in that circle. I didn't know any Christian girls. And so when I got introduced to her, I'm like, okay, this is the kind of girl that I want to marry. Like, So um, we met in September. And, and what are the age differences? Is she the same age she's as She's two and a half years younger. Okay. 
So we met in September. My birthday's in November. By November, um, we looked back and I saw a, a card from her saying, I can't wait to spend the rest of my life with you. Wow. So we had already known within like a couple of months that we were going to get married. So I invite myself to her hometown in Oregon because her dad's a jeweler for Christmas time. I literally invited myself because I'm like, I need to get like a, get hooked up on a ring, you know? Yeah. So I talked to her dad and, um, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, I'll hook you up. How long after you met did you, did you, were you thinking about that already? How long? Uh, probably November because it was. Um, so a few months? Yeah, yeah. Few months. Oh my gosh! So we go back. So I go. So that's September we meet. I go to her her house, meet her family in December, when she lives in Oregon. So I go there, get a little tour of the jewelry store, you know, and um, and then you know see what my wife likes. So we're kind of like looking at rings and so, all this kind so, of stuff. Oh, so you were already both talking about? Oh, it. we're in it. Yeah, we're in it. We're doing this. Yeah, we're doing this. And you know, did I was twenty seven. I think. No, did I was twenty eight. Pops, like, hey, not not while I was there. Um, but the, obviously he knew because you guys are looking at wedding rings. Yeah, so he he knew, and she has um, that was her stepdad, so she you know, ah, her, her okay. real dad. Got it. So when we um, we get back, um, then I called. You know, when when we really knew we were doing this thing, when we got engaged, which was six months after we met. So it's that February, March, something like that. Um, we got engaged six months after, and then married six months after that. So we got ma- met married within a year. Um, so yeah, I, I was 28 when we got married, turned 29, like, you know, wow. two months later. So, all right. So give me that. So from there, did you start having kids right away? Like, no, waited a couple years. Yeah. Yeah. A couple years. We were loving not having kids. We were loving being married, but yeah. you know, I was now 30, she was 28 and, um, we wanted to have all our kids by the time we were 35. She was 35. Yeah. And so we kind of just like, it's kind of time, you know? And, um, and were you still doing the the management thing? At um, at that point, yeah, when we got married, yeah. Okay. Yep. And then I got back into um then I then I got bought out of my company and then I just started doing investment sales again. Investment sales. Yeah, just commercial real estate sales. All commercial. Yeah. You never did residential. I do, just for friends and stuff, yeah. myself. Yeah. Okay. And so then with uh with with wifey, so when did uh you start having kids at like you waited a couple of years. Yeah, like two and a half years. How 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 that all? That's uh, so this kind of ties you, this kind of ties into you yeah. know I think the story you want to maybe get oh, to. Oh yeah, here we go. Get into it. Yeah, it's kind of kind of there. So okay. um, so we're going to um, we're not going to Awaken Church yet. Okay. But um, we were going to another church. But I had met Doctor Matt, and um, we had met because we had friends give it to me that were high school or that were i had a a friend i grew up with that was a chiropractor so him and dr matt were like like literally the top two chiros in san diego and so he um um had parties you know whatever and i'd go to his parties and i'd meet dr matt i didn't know who he was back then we just like kind of got along a little bit and so one day i see i go to church at my old church at eight in the morning i'd never been to that service before i sit down and i look to the to the right of me and in the aisle is Dr. Matt. And I was like, Hey, we kind of looked at each other like, you're a Christian, you're a Christian, you know, cause when yeah. we had met before we were in the party scene and whatever. And so my wife and I had just started a connect group. Matt wasn't married yet. And, um, we invited him to our connect group. So he started coming to our connect group at our old church at the similar time. He met pastor Jurgen at Awaken Church and knew that Pastor Jurgen was starting a church. So he was kind of like going to Awaken, coming to our group, kind of coming to our church still. He was kind of like double dipping a little bit. 
So we became really good friends. So that was that was a God thing that we saw each other yeah. in that service. There was probably 8,000 people at that church, and we sat right next to each other um, at 8 in the morning. Didn't you guys, did you guys meet each other in, like, Vegas? I mean, he told a story recently about Vegas at a bachelor party. Um, we did go to Vegas to a bachelor party, but yeah. that's not where we met. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So we met like at a, at a I don't think we met at the bachelor. He told the story recently. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Anyway. anyway. So we, um, <laughs> we're there and, uh, so he starts coming to our group. So then we do this other random thing. We're like, okay, everybody's going to have like an accountability person in this group. And so we pick names out of a hat. Well, we pick each other. So it was just like all these random wow. things happen, all these God things happen. And then, so we start working out together. So every Monday morning we'd be working out and he'd be telling me all these stories about Awakened Church, about like people getting healed, all this cool stuff happening. And I'm thinking to myself, man, at my church, I never hear any of that stuff. Maybe because it's so big, I started making excuses for why my church wasn't as powerful. And then he would give me the CDs of Pastor Jurgen. Back then you had to buy them for five bucks and he would buy them and give me CDs once in a while, you know, at church, he would buy them and bring them on Monday. And so instead of working out, we'd just be talking about God, talking about, you know, church and whatever. So we came, came really close. And um, so eventually I got to have lunch with Pastor Jurgen, um, and he was great, you know. And once you meet Pastor Jurgen, you're like all in, right? Yeah, I'm done. like, I'm in. Done. But my wife wasn't in because she was like, grew up like me, no Holy Spirit, you know, none of that stuff. That was like all off limits. It was like that was from the devil, not from God. Hold on. So expand on that for one second. So the church that we go to now yes. is all about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, right. which is healings, miracles, prophecy, words of knowledge, you know, speaking in tongues, which is a big, big one. And so all of that stuff growing up in my environment and in her environment especially was like off limits. Like, I don't remember the churches I went to saying, don't do it. Maybe they did. I just didn't really pay attention in church. But she was told that is from the devil, you know, speaking in tongues from the devil, gifts of the Holy Spirit aren't for today. They only worked in the Bible. Really? They said that only was for the Bible times to start the church. That's what the power of the Holy Spirit was. It was to start the church. But now we don't need that anymore. That was just to start the church. So are, that's that's only for the Bible days. In this day and age right now, are, are there churches still like that? Yes. Really? Lots. But when you do Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? Mm -hmm. Then why are they saying that? They just think the Holy Spirit comes, which he does when you get saved. When you, when you invite Jesus into your life, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God comes, lives on the inside of you. So you are saved. You're going to heaven, okay. but there's no power there. There's no power. Like he never comes through you. No, he just lives in you and you still got to like, you know, try and live right and try and follow the Bible, wow. but you're not empowered to do it. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm learning on the fly. It's crazy. You guys know I'm brand new to this yeah, thing. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Like to, to even think back like that, I can't even think about it. I can't even, I don't understand how people are reading the Bible and they don't see. Yeah. That, that the Holy Spirit's a thing. A thing. Yeah. 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 He's a, he's a person. He's real and he's for us today. And we could go into this story about um, the, uh, the, uh, the conference, what, a month or two ago? Yes. With Rex Crane? Yes. That was insane. That was the Holy Spirit. That was the Holy Spirit. But imagine I like, just got imagine the churches all over. churches that don't believe that, so they don't receive that. Wow. I remember watching you, bro. I was watching you the whole time. 
when you went up to the stage, you just put your head down on the stage in the middle of the whole thing. Because <laughs> yeah. he was running around dropping people like flies, just dropping <laughs> yeah. them, dropping them. Yeah. <laughs> they were just dropping, dropping. And I looked up on the stage, and you were you were just like, you yeah. just had your head down. I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. I remember it's texting you after that, dude. Yeah. I never felt that. Yeah. That. All right, so. It's potent. Again, we could go on that story alone, which was incredible. Because if you didn't believe in the Holy Spirit, you walked into that room. Yeah. Good Lord. Forget yeah. about it. All right. So, oh, oh, so, but wifey wasn't all, wasn't about it. Right. All right. So go from there. Okay. So I had to pray for her. I literally prayed for her for about, it took about six months before we finally came to awaken. But in that time. You didn't go to awaken without her. No. You said, it's either both of us or. All right. I went to a couple. I mean, it's kind of a, it's kind of a funny story. I could be quick if you want. But yeah, when we first started coming, um, I had gone to Dr. Matt's office because he had a connect group there. It was a guy's group. So I just went there like literally like two times. And um, and so the first time that I actually took Becky to Awaken was like on a Wednesday night service. It was like they bring in guest speakers on a Wednesday. So we're going there and um, I'm like, babe, I don't know anybody here. She didn't want to go. She's like, felt like we were cheating on our other church, you know? Yeah. And so I'm like, babe, I don't even know anybody here, you know? Like it's, she, she thought I was all into it already because I had met Pastor Jurgen. And so anyways, we go there and I tell her I don't know anybody. And literally like the four people I met at Matt's group are in the parking lot when we get there. Yeah. And I'm like, Hey, Nate, Hey, Tim, Hey, whatever. She's like, hits me. Thought you didn't know anybody, you know? And I'm like, Oh my gosh. And so, um, on the way there, Dr. Matt had told me, Hey, um, Pastor and Leanne said you guys could come over afterwards with me and, um, you know, have dinner if you want. And I'm like, cool. Um, and I hadn't told Becky that because we drove separately to get there, you know, because we were coming from different places. And so anyways, we go into the church. Pastor Leanne is at the door greeting people. This is how, this is back in the day, man. Wow. So she's like at the door greeting people. And I had never seen her before. And she's beautiful, right? Yeah. So I walk in and she gives me a hug and she's like, oh, you're John? Yeah, you're coming to my house tonight. And my oh, wife is oh, standing right God. here and she's like... You're coming to her house tonight. Like, who is that? Oh. I'm like, babe, that's the pastor. I've never even seen her before. I had no idea. I've never even seen a woman pastor before, let alone one that looked like that. And so my wife's like, you know, immediately like on guard. Like, what is this place? You said you didn't know anybody. And now this, this woman is giving you a hug and saying, you're coming to my house. And like, I mean, it was just hilarious. So we go to... <laughs> So that was like our first service at Awaken. I mean, it was hilarious. Oh Anyways, but God. she li- she really liked the service. Yeah. And so who preached? Ends what, up was Pastor Jurgen? No, somebody else. Yeah. You don't remember who? Um, yes, I do remember, but I can't, can't remember his name right now. He's, he was from Australia. Um, but anyway. Anyway. So he came. Yeah, and we had a good. And then we had dinner, and it was it was okay, and you know it was fun. So we had met them. That was like our first time we met them. So then um, I was like literally all in because i had started talking to my uncle who has a ministry in fresno and his whole ministry is a deliverance ministry so he prays for people and casts out demons and gets people free from fear and bondage and addictions and stuff like that so i had started talking to him because i got really interested in the power of god all of a sudden it was a total god thing so anyways right after i started talking to him is when we kind of started you know thinking about awaken and all this kind of stuff well right after that is when i got sick so before we were even coming to Awaken, I got I got sick, but I had met Pastor Jurgen, And so I'm just driving around, um, 
North County because that was my territory in real estate, and my stomach started to hurt. And so, so prior to this stomach hurting, yes. what do you mean you got sick? That that this is this is the me getting sick. Okay, so this hurting. this is the first time you felt anything. First time I felt anything. Okay, yeah. Go, okay. Driving around, got stomach hurts. I pull over and go get some Advil. I'm like, oh, what's going on? So, um, anyways, it's, it keeps hurting. So I I leave work a little bit early that day, go home go to bed that night and um my stomach is just like in like this excruciating pain so i tell my wife i'm like i think i need to go to the doctor so she takes me to the doctor they kind of check me out a little bit and they send me home and say that i'm dehydrated so they put me in an iv fill me full of fluids send me home um i get home and you know the next day i mean maybe it was a little bit better but the next day same thing happens so now I'm in pain. Now my back is starting to hurt and my stomach is starting to hurt. Excruciating pain. I'm like in the middle of the night instead of going to bed, I'm like on the floor, like balled up, can't sleep. And I'm thinking to myself, my wife likes to sleep, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, does this hurt bad enough for me to actually wake up my wife and piss her off? You know, so it was hurting that bad where I'm like, babe, I got to go back to the doctor. So yeah. she wakes up. We go back to the ER that night. They check me out again. This time, they say, I'm not just dehydrated, but I'm constipated. Okay. And then they give me a bunch of Motrin in an IV to, to kill the pain, and they send me home again. So now I'm constipated and dehydrated, and I'm thinking to myself... Did they not do a CT or anything? No, MRI? No. Nothing? They just think I'm just like... How the hell do you not do a CT? Yeah. And so I'm, you know, and I'm in really good shape. Like I'm 30 years old, 31 years old in really good shape still. And, um, so they probably just thinking whatever this, you know, this kid's, um, back again. So I'm thinking, man, constipated. I'm, I'm believing I'm constipated. I'm like, shoot, I'm constipated. Like this is painful. I feel bad for constipated people, yeah. you know, like new respect. So I go home and then the next day I'm like hurting again, like, and it's bad. So I'm like, babe something's up like th there's something legitimately wrong with me so we go back to the doctor and i always tell the story you know the nurses are looking at me and they're like oh here comes the constipated guy again you know and they're like they're almost like frustrated at me yeah. that i'm back and so this time though they check me and they take my blood they hadn't taken my blood yet or anything and so this, this time stories they, like this piss me off yeah. bro. i'm serious yeah so like they should have done a CT from square one. Yeah. It's not that hard. They yeah. wheel you downstairs. I was in this department. Oh, really? I was an extra yeah, technologist. Right. I worked in CT. Yeah. All right, this is pissing me off, but go. Yeah, so they um, this time they take my blood, and then they come back, and they say, we need to talk. Please sit down. So now the doctor changes from being annoyed to very, very concerned. And we sit down in the in the doctor's office, and he says, first thing he says, do you have a will? Are you freaking kidding me? No. Do you have a will? And now I'm, I'm, you know, 31, been married a couple of years. My wife's freaking out because she just, you know, doesn't know what's wrong with her husband. The first thing out of his mouth. First thing. Was do you have a will? <laughs> like bedside manor class, he missed that one. So and what did you say? Um, what are you I'm talking like, about? Yeah, we got one. Why? Um, we actually just had had a trust done. So I'm like, yeah, we actually have a trust. Why? And he said, because your, your kidneys are failing, you have acute renal failure and, um, we need to admit you right now. And so it was like, it, it changed from being annoyed with me to very concerned about me, you know, and we're, we're, we're scared. We don't know what's going on. And they measure your kidney function by your creatinine levels. Right. So 
normal creatinine level is one. Dialysis is eight. So as you, you know, progress towards dialysis towards eight, it gets worse and worse and worse. So when they checked me, I was, um, over four, um, that night. And so, um, the next day they checked, they checked me again. I was in the hospital. The next three days I lose 20 pounds, go from 185 to 165, lose 20 pounds. Now I am constipated because I'm taking so many drugs for the pain. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, and they're checking my blood every day and every day it's getting worse. So I'm nearing five and they're, are you an ICU at this point? Um, I don't know if I'm an ICU. Okay. I'm just, yeah, I don't even know. I'm just admitted. And so, but they're, they're, I'm getting worse every day. So they have no idea what's wrong with me. Is wifey in the room with you the whole time? Yeah. They're asking me if I'm taking steroids. They're yeah. asking me what supplements I'm bringing. You know, I'm having my dad bring in all the supplements I'm taking. They're trying to figure out what's wrong. They have no idea what's wrong with me. So they're going to do a biopsy on me. Because they say you're you're nearing dialysis. Like if you get much worse than this, you're going to be on dialysis, and you know who knows from there. Which is you know you're on a machine for the rest of your life and kidneys and all that. Yeah. You could die. So, anyways, um, three four days go by, and they're going to do a biopsy that day before. They're going to do it in the morning the day before. So I think it's a Wednesday. Um, I'd been going to this other church. Well, the other church, like I told you before, they believe that you get saved and you receive the Holy Spirit, but they don't believe there's any power. So yeah. I got my friends calling me saying, hey, um, our thoughts are with you. You know, We'll be praying for you. And at that moment, I didn't need somebody's thoughts and I didn't need somebody's weak ass prayers. I needed power. Yeah. And so it was like demoralizing talking to my current and it wasn't their fault they didn't know my right, family correct. didn't know this is how they were trained and so i knew i had met pastor jurgen and i had heard about miracles and so i called matt and i had been reading about it actually I'd, i actually believed i just didn't know what to do yeah so i called matt and i'm like hey do you think pastor jurgen would come pray for me and so he goes let me get back to you so he calls me back and says pastor jurgen's getting how on, long did it take getting to on a back? plane oh super fast we were really good friends and so he was like really worried about me and so he calls me right back. He says, Pastor Jurgen's about to get on a plane to Australia, but there's this other guy coming into town. He just got here. He knows how to pray. I'll get him. So Dr. Matt calls this guy. His name's Mark Peterson. I don't know if you know Summer Peterson, but she's a pastor yeah, at, yeah, at our church. I yeah, do. her husband. So they had just gotten into San Diego. Matt calls him, says, you need to come pray for my friend. Pastor Jurgen said. So he Mark fasts all day that day for me, who he'd never, who he'd never met. And he comes into he the hospital, the whole day. fasted the whole day just to come pray for me. And um, so he comes in the room. When he comes in, my whole family's there. I have friends there. Um, and they're all just like, what's going to happen? You know, we've none, nobody knew how to pray yeah. with power. So he comes in. He says, hey, yeah, do you mind if I pray for you? And I'm like, yes, please. And so he goes, I was fasting for you today. And I got a word out of Isaiah 58 that says your healing will come forth speedily. That was the word that God gave him while he was fasting. So he lays his hands on me, and I kid you not, JD, my like electricity went through my body. My heart starts pumping out of my chest. It's like, it's like there's this warmth and this weight that comes into the room. I had never felt anything like it. I looked around, everybody in the room's crying. He's praying for me. He starts to prophesy over me. And um, starts telling me things about myself and about my future and about my wife to the point where after he was done, my wife, my mom goes, did he know you? I'm like, no, I've never met him before in my life. Oh my gosh. And so he gets done praying 
And I knew something happened. Like, it was crazy. I'd never felt that way. Like I said, everyone's crying. You could feel the presence of God similar to that, yeah. probably, that you felt in right. that, at that conference. It was just heavy, and it was weighty in there. And so I was like, oh, my gosh. That were was nurses crazy. watching this? Doctors watching this? Anybody watching this? I don't know if the doctors were in there, to be honest. I have no idea. But my wife's like, you know, her head's on my shoulder, and we're both just, like, kind of crying and, like, what, you know, what just happened? So then he leaves, and Matt tells me later that he felt the anointing so strong, the power of God so strong, he told Matt, he's like, man, we could go clear out this hospital right now. Like, that's how potent he felt the power of God was. So they leave. He says, don't don't do the biopsy until you get tested again. So the next morning, I say, hey, I want to get tested again before I get a biopsy. I knew something happened. It was like no doubt about it. So they test me again, and I was like at five was my creatinine levels. And they come back and it was like at 1.5 or something like that the next morning. And then, so they, they hold off on the biopsy. The next day they test me again, I'm at one, which is completely yeah. normal. Um, and then I think the next day they held me back one more day and I was even like a little bit lower, like 0.8 or something like that. And then they released me from the hospital. Were they like, what is going Doctors on Doctors had no idea why I got sick and they had no idea how I got healed. And I knew, I knew it was the power of the Holy Spirit. And so literally from that day, I decided in my spirit that I am going to go after the power of God for the rest of my life. And I'm going to make the devil pay for trying to kill me. So that's why, that's why when I preach and when I speak and when I talk about this stuff, like the churches that say it's not real for today, yeah, go out, go, it's go. too late. Yeah, I already experienced it. You can't, you can't talk me out of my experience. You can't talk me out of the healing. You can't talk me out of the hundreds of miracles that I've seen when I prayed for people. Cancer, you know, tumors dissolving, people getting pregnant, um, scoliosis straightening up. I mean, you name it, um, uh, diabetes going away. I mean, like, you name it. I've seen so many miracles, and, and it's the power of the Holy Spirit. So when people come to me and say, you know, I go to a church and they don't believe in this, we have tons of people that come to our church from other churches because... They don't believe in the power of God. So they come to our church to get prayer, and then they go back to their old church. It's like, what? I don't understand. But from that day till now, I've never had a problem with my kidneys again. It's <laughs> like 100% healed. kidding Bam. Me? Just like that. Yeah. And the most powerful part of this story is you didn't even know this dude. No. Didn't even know him. And it didn't matter. Didn't matter. Because the Holy matter. Spirit came through him. Yes. To you. To heal didn't even know him oh dude this story is crazy and so give it to me so give 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 another word on this churches that just don't buy into this it's all over the bible the book of acts doesn't end with amen it's the only book in the new testament people watching listening right now yeah that are just like that are with a church like this god bless them whatever a lot of great people and i don't blame pastors i don't blame people it's just i that's how i lived for 31 years of my life like a powerless Christianity where you had to try to do everything for yourself, where there was no option to pray and get healed. The only option was to go to the doctor. The only option was to take Advil. The only option was to take medicine. The only option was to take chemotherapy. Well, there's another option, and his name is Jesus, and he is the healer. The Bible says that we were healed by his stripes. Check this out. This is this is crazy. Yeah, go. Isaiah, in Isaiah... Um, Isaiah 53, I believe it is. It talks about um, Isaiah is prophesying, and he says that um, 
basically we are forgiven of our sins and we are healed by his stripes. We are healed by the stripes of Jesus. So when Jesus went to the cross, before he went to the cross, he got flogged, which is just a whipping. So he goes to the whipping post and he gets whipped. Um, and, and, and then from there, then he goes to the cross and he gets crucified for our sins. So when he says we are healed by his stripes, this is Isaiah 700 years before Christ comes on the earth. 700 years he's prophesying that we're forgiven by the blood of Jesus and that we're healed by his stripes. 700 years before it happens. So when Jesus goes to the whipping post and gets stripes, he gave those stripes for our healing. And then he goes to the cross and he gives his life for our salvation. So when we take communion, the bread is his body. It represents his healing, his stripes. So when you take communion, you you know you have access to be believing for healing in your body because he, that's what it's for. And then you know the the juice is the blood for your for your salvation. So he says we are healed by your stripes. In 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 First Peter two twenty four, it says we were healed by your stripes. So. Isaiah prophesies about it. Jesus comes, does it. Peter, afterwards, when he writes his New Testament um, book of the Bible, says we were healed. In other words, it's already happened. It's a fact. Money's in the bank. All we got to do is cash the check. So healing has already taken place. Whether you're experiencing it or not, healing has already taken place. Now you just got to enforce it on earth. Keep going, dude. Keep going. This so is... that's why Jesus says when the disciples come to him and says, hey, how do we pray? He says, pray this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the reason that you and I have to pray his will to come to earth is because his will hardly ever happens. People think in a lot of those other churches that God's will always happens. So what you're telling me is like, you know, 60 million babies being aborted is the will of God or, you know, people getting raped, women getting raped is the will of God or sex traffic. That's the will of God. You know, that's all that stuff's the will. That's not the will of God. God is good. And so the reason that God is saying pray for his will to be done is because his will doesn't ever, doesn't ever happen. So unless Christians stand up and pray, we don't get the results that heaven wants because in heaven, everything's perfect in heaven. Everything's healed everybody's, you know, financially okay. You know, there's no chaos. There's no fear. There's no addiction. There's no rape. And so whatever you see that is not like heaven on earth, that's what you pray for heaven to come. And so, you know, if somebody's sick, there's no sickness in heaven. So that's why we pray to be healed. And the, and the people that are in environments where they don't believe that, I feel sorry for them because their only hope is medicine. That's it. We know how that goes. Yeah, we know how that goes. I mean, especially nowadays, it's like, why not choose free health care, which is the power of the Holy Ghost? Right. And nowadays, man, it's it's a disaster. Disaster. Medication, medication, pills, pills, more pills. Yeah. So everybody's dying of pills. It's trying to kill you there, yeah. 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 Where a whole commercial is uh, one thing that it could possibly help, and then 60 seconds of side effects. Right. That's okay. Yeah, exactly. That's acceptable. Right. People are okay with that. Right. But they're not okay with a natural healing through the Holy Spirit that actually works. Yeah. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and you know, one other point on yeah, that go. is at the end of when Jesus is teaching the disciples how to pray, the last line is, and deliver us from evil. 
So I grew up not knowing that there was a devil, that there were demonic evil forces that were opposing the will of God. So there's three wills. There's the will of God, there's our will, and the will of the devil. And so we want to line ourselves up with the will of God. That's why the Bible says in Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world, rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will know the perfect will of God. So we got to renew our mind from what the Bible says so that we can line our mind up with what the will of God is. And so um, I didn't know there was evil that was opposing you know, my destiny, my success. And so people will also walk through life being fearful, you know, being prone to sickness, being prone to business failure, being prone to all of these things. And they just think it's normal and that's how they are. But it's actually not normal. It's actually an evil spirit that is energizing that in them. And you can't treat a demon with medicine. You can't medicate a demon. You got to cast them out. But if you don't know you have power to cast out a demon, you're going to be living with this stuff and medicating it and, and numbing yourself instead of getting free. So the power of the Holy Spirit is not just for healing your body. It's for healing your soul, your mind, your spirit. It's for getting you away from things like fear because fear is not from God. Um, but we have so many people living in fear, especially now with all this pandemic stuff, this COVID stuff. It's got, our, it's got everybody gripped in fear so they're wearing masks in their car by themselves. I mean, it's like, what? Yeah. That's the, the, the grip of fear. And they have no idea how to get free from it. But I can get them free in five minutes. All right, go on. So talk to me because you, you, you talk about the devil. Like, mm-hmm. what, what does that signify? Like for people that are kind of watching that are, what, what, let's call them laymen. Yeah. Like, okay, is there an actual devil? Or like, talk to me because you said, or yeah. ungodly. Yeah, there, yeah, there's actually a devil and there's actually a God. There's actually a heaven and a hell. Um, and and the devil has set up, I mean, we, I don't want you too deep, but the devil has set up. Deep. There's demons, which are basically the devil's soldiers that are roaming the earth. There's there's a spirit realm that, that we can't see, but is very apparent. In fact, the spirit realm is how the natural realm came into being, right? Because God is spirit. He created everything. And so it's actually, the world is actually governed by the spirit world that we can't see. Um, because the creator always has authority over his creation. So God created everything. So that's why he has authority over everything. Um, that when sin came into the world in the garden, now this is, you know, I don't know how much you want me to talk about this, but sin came in the world in the garden. Yeah. Okay. So then the devil took back authority over the earth. Jesus came to redeem that authority. However, the devil is still here opposing his will. So that's why you and I have to understand our authority in Christ. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which it talks about in Acts 2, um, so that we can reinforce the will of God so that we have power to keep... Imagine you going through life thinking you're just a fearful person. Which a lot of people do. Which a lot of people do. And then you come to find out, which a lot of people do, that they don't have to live with that fear for the rest of their life, that that's not from God. Because the Bible says God doesn't give you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love, power, and of a sound mind. So if you got chaos and stress and fear in your mind, anxiety, none of that's from God. And if it's not from God, then you can get rid of it. Through prayer. Through prayer. Through yeah, prayer. Through prayer. So people watching right now, they're just, they're, there's so many that are struggling. Mm-hmm. And, and 
understandably so understandably so because we're so programmed to be in fear all the time and like you said because the the pandemic just multiplied at times a hundred yeah still seeing it people walking by themselves outside yeah with their whole family wearing masks it's like crazy it's crazy talk to me about the people that are like i don't know what to do i'm living in fear yeah get involved with a yeah you know where do you start yeah i would say find a spirit-filled church Find a spirit-filled church, no matter where you are in the world. You know, find a spirit-filled church. Find somebody who can, um, a pastor who believes in the in the miracles of God. Because if you get into that environment, there will be people that you can talk to that know how to get you free, and then you can learn. I mean, there's tons of books out there that you can read. There's tons of podcasts that you could probably get on. Listen to the Awaken podcast. I would say, yeah. if you have no idea what to do. Um, but there are um, the Bondage Breaker is a really good book by T. L. Um, not T. L. Osborne. Um, gosh, I forget the name of the author right now. But the Bondage Breaker would be a good place to start if you just wanted to like find a book about getting free from demonic strongholds and stuff like that. Um, but to me, this all of this stuff where it might sound like freaky to some people, right. all this stuff is exciting for me. Yeah. Because it means that I have been given, in Luke ten nineteen authority over all the powers of the enemy, and nothing by shall any means hurt me. Does that mean I never have fear? Does that mean I never get sick? Does that mean, no, it doesn't mean that stuff, but it means I have an answer for it if it happens. And it means I can recognize it, and I know there's a solution in Christ for it. And so um, we all have to battle this stuff. Like the devil's never going to give up until he goes to hell at the end of time when Jesus comes back. So there's always going to be opposition, especially if you're a threat to the kingdom of darkness. So if you're a Christian, you're living right, you're doing things right, you have the power of God that can change things. And imagine going through your business and you keep coming up against walls and you don't know how to get over this stuff. Yeah. Prayer can help you get over that stuff. Maybe there's a spiritual reason you're not getting through, you're not getting breakthrough. Well, you can get prayer and you can find out what that stuff is. Maybe it's a limited mindset that you got when you were a kid because someone told you you're, you're going to be a failure, you're never going to be successful. Well, that's, and then you make this inner vow within yourself saying, I'm never going to be successful. You don't have to say it out loud, but maybe you did, or maybe someone said it and they basically cursed you. And so whenever you get to a certain level, you can't get past that level, but you can break that agreement by the power of the Holy Spirit and you can get breakthrough. So the, the the Holy Spirit isn't just for healing your body and getting you out of fear. It's for every part of your life. Um, wherever you're feeling stuck, wherever you continue to hit the same wall and the same wall and the same wall, and you've read all the books, you've taken the medicine, you've done all the things, maybe it's a spiritual problem. And so, and so, and, and I hear this all, what, what I'm realizing now that I'm new to this, the, the Christian thing, I call it. Yeah. Because I was a personal development guy for, for 20 years. I read every book you can possibly imagine. I was going to seminars at their seminars. And now I'm starting to read the Bible. And I'm realizing, I'm like, wait a minute. This is where all this came from. Would you agree with that? Like all the personal development books and everything came from the Bible. Came from the Bible. They right? just don't give them credit. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's all there. Yeah, it's all there. And, and, and some, you know, keep flowing with this. Yeah. What I'm realizing as the more I'm getting into this is that it, it's a, just a way of living. It, this is a... It's life. The book is life. It's, yeah. It has life in it. Right. Yeah. And it's about living a certain way. Right? Yeah. Through God's image. Through God's image. The, the Bible actually says that the word of God is living and active. So it's, a, it's alive. So you can read the Bible. I read the Bible every day. And 
it's like you read, you know, over time you've been reading the same verses for however many years over time, but you'll hear something different or God will speak to you about something different because it's alive. Um, and he still speaks to us today, which is, which is really cool. I also hear churches say that, you know, God doesn't speak to you. That's a joke. That's funny. Ha ha. And they're the churches that are still bound and, you know, probably still closed because of COVID. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so, but, but my wife, so when I met my wife, yeah. she had, um, she had a rough upbringing and her testimony is pretty crazy. And she was like really steeped in fear. Like it gripped her. She was psychotic. She calls it. And she wouldn't let me go do anything because she thinks I might meet a girl. Like she always tells a story where she would like try to not let me go to a charger game because there are cheerleaders there. Like I might like meet a cheerleader while I'm in the stands and go home with them or something like that. You know, like yeah. that kind of fear wow. and control. Cause you know, when you have fear, you try, try to control things. And so she had read all the books. She had been to counseling. She had done all this stuff and, but she didn't know about the power of God. So I took her up to my uncle's house in Fresno we had like a two hour prayer session up there and he like systematically disarmed this, this stuff, went back into her childhood and, um, you know, um, kind of, kind of went through this process and then prayed for her and broke the power of fear over her life, like in an instant. And then from that point on, she's literally fear, fear free. Like wow. she does that control thing that she had over me, zero. And this is like, like even like right when we got married. And so, but it took, it took the power of God. It took an encounter with God for her to get free. Not a book, not even a counselor. Um, because you can't counsel out a demon. They have to be cast out. All right, go out. on this. Keep they going. have to be cast out. And the only way they can be cast out is by a spirit-filled believer who knows his or her authority and kicks him out. So... So in other words, like a simple prayer would be in the name of Jesus, I command fear to go from you in Jesus name. That's like the basic, uh, it could be that simple of a prayer, but if you don't know your authority, the demon is not going to leave. And so they know you if you have authority or not. Uh, wow. There's a story in the Bible that's pretty cool in Acts. If you Tell read, me. if you read the story in Acts and there's this guy, Sum it up. there's these guys and they're they're talking about they're they're like yeah we know that we know that we 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 pray to the god of paul and the god of you know peter or whatever and and the demons are like on on this guy and they're like we know paul but we don't know you basically and they come out of this guy and they attack this guy because he has no authority and they basically basically essentially beat him up take his clothes and everything and run off so you can't just pray the prayer without god it's basically what I'm saying. You have to know your authority and you know, you have to like, like a, a personal development guy would yeah. read books on how to develop himself personally. You have to learn how to develop yourself biblically and as a Christian. So, so for somebody like me, that's again, new. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm slowly realizing that I have power Yeah. through the Holy spirit mm -hmm. and authority. Mm -hmm. I'm realizing it like, Whoa, I actually, I'm prophetic People are telling me this, JD. You're really prophetic because I see, I hear things. Yeah, I guess that's him talking to me. Mm -hmm. And I have words for people that I look. Listen, I got to tell you something that came to me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's happening. Yeah. But how much? I don't feel like I do. I have power to heal. Yeah. Do I have to feel that? How does that come? You don't have to feel it. It's like anything. Whatever you when you you know you practice stuff. Yeah. So when I first started praying for people, I didn't know what the heck I was doing, but I started devouring books. 
you want a if you want a great book on healing, I would read a book called Healing the Sick by T. L. Osborne. It's okay. my favorite book I've read it really? like three or four times. Yeah. Um, it just has scripture after scripture to justify or to confirm and back up what he's talking about. And he's seen hundreds of thousands of miracles. I mean, people coming out of wheelchairs, you know, people being risen from the dead, crazy stuff. And when I first started kind of this journey, I just started studying stuff. And when I started to read the Bible, I always tell people when you read the Bible, especially if you want to talk about this stuff in the New Testament, read the Gospels and read and slow down when you read. Don't just try to read to get through the chapter or whatever. Slow down when you read and actually believe every word that you read. Jesus says, the things that I do, you can do also and greater things will you do. And so when I read the Gospels, I read what Jesus did, how he did it. How did he pray for that person that got sick yeah. or that got healed? How did he pray for that person that the demons left? What did he say? How did he do it? And then when I got to church, I started to be an usher. And I started to catch people like when they would do ministry. And yeah. I would just listen to the pastors and what they said and how they said it. And I would just study like that. And then you know, I'd talk to my uncle and find other books that I could read. And um but it's all it's all in the Bible, but we just kind of zoom past it thinking that, oh, that's for Jesus' day. But no, Jesus is the will of God in action. He is the will of God. So his life is the will of God. So do what Jesus did and do how he did it. Just like modeling, just like when Tony Robbins say, find someone you like, yeah. do what they do, and you get similar results. And so explain the relationship. Like you have God, Jesus, same thing, same guy talked about that's his jesus is his son yeah talked about that dynamic yeah. so you have god the father and jesus his son and yep. the holy spirit so it's the trinity the three trinity, yep. and the three are one i look at it like this this is how break it down. there's a couple of different ways you can look at it this is how i like to to explain it so you have god who is the master architect he's the creator of all things he he put everything in motion he put out the plan and so he's the he's the master architect and then you have you have um, Jesus, who is the GC, he's the GC. He came down and he, he executed the contract with his blood. So he executed the contract that God put in place. And then you have the Holy spirit and he came and put it in empowered the people to put it into action. So they're all, they're all three, but they're all in the same mission. Then they're all one. Jesus says, Jesus said he never did anything. He didn't first see the father do or hear the father say. So everything he said or did was what the Father said or did. So he is the will of God in action on the earth. And the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, comes to help us and remind us what Jesus said. So they all work together in unison. You can also explain it like an egg. Yeah. An egg has three parts. It has yeah. the yolk, the whites, and the shell. And the shell. And it's all one thing, but they play different roles. And so I've got some, some friends right now. I've got a good friend of mine who's really, really sick, but uh, and I'm trying to, I, I got him to, when, when Rex Crane came in, Rex wasn't able to lay hands on him, but mm -hmm. what are people that are sick right now that are, the, the doctors can't do anything. Yeah. What, what do we do here? Do we just get him to the church? Do we get him in there? Yeah. How do we? I mean, we can pray right now before we, before we get off, but yeah, I mean, in, in, and here's, here's the, here's what I believe was Jesus's idea yeah. um, and what the disciples were were empowered to do because the bible says that the holy spirit came on them and gave them power power to heal the sick cast out demons preach the gospel heal lepers raise the dead all that kind of stuff and so our job is to reproduce that in every christian 
But now we have all these different denominations and all these people believe these different things, whereas we just kind of believe what the Bible says. And so the ideal is that we all have access to that power and we all operate in that power. Now, some of us are gifted in different things, right? So some of you might have a a little bit extra special gift in that healing, like a Rex Crane or a special gift in prophecy, like like Rex or like other people, like you have a gift of prophecy. And so that's kind of like your lane where you can lean into that, but you also have access to the other nine gifts. Um, And so there's, um, the truth is everybody can do it, but there are people that for whatever reason are gifted in that area or have given themselves to that thing. So I've sort of like given myself to healings and miracles because I love that because I got healed. Right. So that's like in me, like I, I, I want other people to get healed. So like I've studied that more than other things. So I operate better in that than I do in some other things, but I have access to those things. And so, and now, so you went from just trying Awaken to now you're the lead pastor of the biggest campus of all as far as uh, congregation, right? Correct. Biggest numbers. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? So it started because when I had lunch with Pastor Jurgen and Matt years ago before I was coming, yeah. Pastor Jurgen told Dr. Matt after that lunch that I had a call of God on my life. Really? And so I just started coming to church and I just started serving at church. That was before you brought Becky? Uh, no, this is when no. we started coming. Oh, before we brought Becky, he said that, yes. Okay, got but it. Once we started coming to the church and... Um, um, so when I started coming to the church, I was just excited to be there. I was excited to be learning what I was learning. I was excited to know that Christianity was more than what I thought it was, that there actually is like a powerful God that's, that's working today in our lives and stuff. Um, so I was just like so happy to be there, loved the church, started serving. And then after a little bit, all these, all these people that came in and preached, they would prophesy over my wife and I. It was like... No matter where we were, they would like pick us out and they'd be like, you guys got ministry on your life. You got call of God on your life, you know, whatever, this and that. And so it was almost like uncomfortable to the point where like all these, the church was pretty small. It was only maybe a couple hundred people at the most. And so we kept getting called out like over this like three month, six month period, like you got this. So it was just that, that seed that Pastor Yerkes put on the inside of me just started to kept growing, kept growing. So before I knew it, I was like, I never thought about ministry ever. My wife never did ever. In fact, she said she would never because she went to like a Christian college. Right. Um, and then we just started, God just started, you know, drawing us in that direction. And Pastor Jurgen was like, you're going to be a campus pastor one day. Da, 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 da. And so it How just kind of How long were you there before happened. you said that? Not very long. Really? Like, yeah. I don't know. Less than a year probably. And so then, because um, it was C3 and then Awaken, mm-hmm. so when did you become the, the, the lead pastors over there? Um, when this facility opened in 2013. 2013, so nine years ago. Oh my gosh, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. So give me, give me some, um, give me, uh, like along the way, give me a couple of God stories of people have come in that just their life transformed, they went into ministry, whatever that you've been a part of, like at, a, at, at Balboa. That people have gone into just yeah, like come in life. Any, yeah, any, yeah, that have come in that's just on the top of your head. I don't know why it came to me just yeah. to ask that question. but Yeah, yeah, I mean. Like a story that you can give me, uh, somebody that came in that you know that was a friend that was skeptical, oh, what's this awaken about? Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, we've seen, oh my gosh, we've seen so many people come here, um, just like Becky and I did, that came and they were like, 
what is this? You know, some people think it was like Becky was like demonic. Some people are just like blown away. So it, it, because we're so bold in what we do, it will, it will, it will check you when you walk in you're either going to like, you know, be able to stick through it and come for come or you're going to be out. Yeah. Um, at least that's what I've seen. Um, but we've seen, um, families come in, um, this particular couple that I'm thinking about, she came in and he came in, they weren't married when they came in, but they both had like crazy backgrounds. One of them was a, you know, heavy metal guy and, you know, tatted it from head to toe, um, in this whole, you know, music, music world. And she came like her, um, divorced parents, mom, like disowned her. She had to move away because um, it was just a, like a really devastating environment. So they came, two broken people, um, into the environment that we have at Awaken Church. She's gotten healed. Her mom is still a complete disaster. Her dad got saved um, after she came here. She is now, um, because she was so broken, um, she got healed, and now she does the same thing for other people. And so now she's um, one of the most powerful ministers in our church. She sets, gets people free from all kinds of demonic oppression. Um, she has a very um, keen prophetic gift. In fact, I ask her all the time to pray for me and ask her what God is telling her about me. Really? Um, who even can, who is even this? recently, Dana Dana Piper. Oh yeah. Joel and Dana Piper. Yes. The awesome couple. Wow. And so, and then he's come through this. You know, because of that world he lived in. Same thing. Like he got he got free and he got. Um, healed here. He got just even through Pathfinders was a part of it. He's in it now. Um, but um, got free, got prayer, got like deep inner healing. And now they are leading the ministry team at our campus. So you, you have these two completely broken people that come into this environment, get healed. And now they're doing that very same thing for other people. And now they're married and you know, about to have a kid and, and all that kind of stuff. So that's just one example of so many. I mean, so many people have come in and got physically healed. Um, you know, this little five-year-old kid came in. I prayed for all the kids in kids' church one yeah. day in service, and this little five-year-old came in and he had cancer. And we prayed for him, and he had a, um, a test that week. Went to the test, got came back completely healed his, his mom didn't know what happened the doctors were flabbergasted um, completely healed this other um, these other two kids at that same time had a her hereditary disease um, that was life-threatening the mom said um, they both had it because you know her that her husband had it or whatever they got completely healed that same day um, I mean diabetes like you name it man i've had a girl came in with scoliosis all jacked she got healed a fun, oh a great healing yeah. story is uh morgan Irvin, who a lot of people know yeah and his background is insane insane have you had him on here no oh my gosh get him on yeah get him on i think it's the one i'm thinking about but go ahead yeah so anyways he he spent one hundred fifty thousand dollars or something on natural paths chiropractors, acupuncturists, the strong, he was taking the strongest uh, medicine that he could for pain and still be able to function because he was a high level, like creative guy. Um, and he came into a class that we had at church that um, I was teaching on healing. And then he came up and didn't, he didn't want me to pray for him because Dr. Matt was there. Yeah. He wanted Matt to pray for him because Matt's a doctor, but he is, he was been in excruciating pain for a couple of years and it's been $150,000, couldn't get healed. Um, couldn't get fixed so then but it came up and it was like 
he had to come to get prayer from me or whatever. Like it, he was in a line. And, and so, um, he tells the story. It's pretty funny. And God spoke to him and said, well, you don't think this guy can, you know, this guy can get you or I can heal you through this guy. And so he came up anyways. Anyway, I prayed for him. Simple prayer, like, hey, be healed, Jesus name. He gets healed. He had sciatica and back pain for that time. He couldn't even like sit in a car and, and stuff like that without being in excruciating pain. Next thing you know, I look over and I didn't know him at the time. And this guy's like on the floor doing all these weird, like, I'm thinking like yoga stretches. Like, what is this guy doing? And the reason he was doing that is because he had zero pain. He was trying to find pain and he was stretching and all laid out all over the ground for like about 10 minutes trying to see if he was really healed. Like, did this really happen in an instant just like that? And it did. And he, so he tells a story, he wrote it in his book and it's pretty funny because it's, uh, God had to humble him and it humbles me because he was like, I didn't like you. I didn't want you to pray for me. I didn't think you had any power, like all this kind of stuff. But God used that to heal him. So that was a pretty cool story. And so did you pray for him as well or both of you or just you? No, just me. Just you? Yeah. So when, when, so when he asked Matt, did Matt say, no, 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 John's got it? It was just like, because there was different people in line and like this person was went to Matt and this, the next person was supposed to go over here. So it was just, just how it happened. It was just a, a random thing. And now, would you say that healing, a lot of it is casting out demons? Are you uh, saying that? No. No? No, it can be, though. It can be? It can be, What, yeah. what are the ones where there's, like like you said, with the fear and all that stuff, that's more of a deliverance thing? Correct. Okay, yes. explain deliverance real quick. Yeah, so... I know you touched on it, but... Yeah. So, deliverance is like when a when a evil spirit, a demon, is basically oppressing you or putting weight on you in a certain area. So we are, we are spirit, we have a soul and we live in a body, right? So demons will attach themselves to like our soul. Um, and so they will put pressure on you or energize, uh, I guess is a way to explain it, um, oppress you in an area. So maybe it's a fear, spirit of fear. So if you have a spirit of fear that is tormenting you, that means that you're going to have fear. Um, that's not normal. That's not like you know, biological, it's a, it's a, it's a demonically energized fear, like what my wife had. And so if that happens, then the Bible says we're to cast out demons. So Jesus does it all through the Bible and he says, we're supposed to do the same thing. And so I would just come and you confront that spirit of fear. So you speak right to the spirit. So I could be speaking at you, but I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the spirit that's oppressing you. And if you were to kind of like peel back the spiritual eyes, you would be able to see, because a lot of people can see in the spirit. So there's many, many testimonies and even books written about people that can see in the spirit. So they see these spirits and they see them actually like grabbing on or there's chains around you or there's like a serpent around and then those things leave and go. My my wife has seen multiple demons um, through the years. Really? Yeah, like leave and, and stuff. And so, but, but more than seeing it leave, you can feel it leave. So people always say after they after a prayer session or after they get delivered or free, they feel like lighter. They feel like a weight has left their body. This is a really cool story, and I can yeah. do one quick Give story about, about fear. So recently with the whole COVID thing, um, the vaccines obviously was, has been a big thing. And so um, people that have gotten the vaccine and then realize that it's probably not good for you, they get fear because they're, they're going to get sick or myocarditis or whatever, right. right? So they have this fear. So this lady came up to me in church, and I had posted this photo about, um, I had posted this video about this minister talking to this woman, 
and um, he was actually talking directly to the demon, and the demon was talking back. So when you get into this stuff, you start to realize that that as you can, you, when you confront these things, and there's different levels, right? There's different. There's like really bad scenarios, and there's like not so bad scenarios. But the, some of the really bad scenarios, these people have invited demonic demonic uh, forces into their lives through drugs, cutting themselves, you know, um, seances dedicating their lives to the devil or drinking blood. Like there's all these different things right. where you can invite those spirits into your life. Anyways, this guy's talking to this lady and, and, and she's, he's talking actually to the spirit and the spirit's revealing all of this stuff about the vaccine, literally talking about how it's planned, how it's, a, there's this agenda, how they're, you know, making people scared and tormenting people and all this kind of stuff. Like it's, it's pretty cool, but it could be pretty freaky if you're yeah. not like into it. So anyways, I, I posted this video and this girl saw it and she said instantly fear gripped her. So once you're free, that doesn't mean fear will never come back or addiction will never try to come back or whatever. It just means now you can recognize it and you can um, resist it. Okay. So she recognized it. All of a sudden fear came back on her and she got scared again because she had gotten the vaccine and she was scared something was going to happen to her. And so she came to me and she said, since you posted that video, I, I assume that you're not scared of, of this stuff. You're not scared of the demons that come with it and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, yeah, I'm not scared. And so she said, so can you pray for me? Because I just felt gripped in fear. And so I said, absolutely. I go, that's a spirit of fear. And so I started to pray for her. As soon as I started to pray for her, she started to shake and she started to like kind of kind of um this is in person this is in person she started to like kind of like um keel over a little bit which happens a lot because demons are trying to hold on but they know they have to go if you know they have to go they know they have to go if you don't think they have to go they won't go so the person receiving this has to no the person praying praying yeah but the person receiving they, they, they just, just need to they just need to receive they just need to do they need to believe too what if there's no belief I'm well like, i don't believe this it doesn't matter what what i say is lazarus in the Bible was dead for four days and Jesus raised him from the dead. He was dead. He had no faith. Somebody, okay. somebody has to have faith. Somebody has to have faith. Yes. Okay. Um, if you, sense. if you're resisting, that's different. If you want it, if you want to hold on to the fear, probably not going to leave. Got it. But if you're like, get rid of this thing, you know, whether yes. you believe it, understand it, whatever somebody does. Okay. Go. So anyways, I'm praying for this. So I have spirit of your, she starts contorting a little bit and she starts like shaking and I'm like, Oh, to me now it's exciting. I'm like, oh, this thing's about to go and she's going to get free. Like the end goal is this woman's going to get free of this fear. It's freaky. It, it, it amazes me every time it happens. Anyways, so I pray for her. She hits the deck. Power God hits her. She falls over. Power God hits her. She gets up and she's like smiling and giggly and, and laughing and, and free. And I said, what happened? Like, I always like to ask people, what happened? Um, Cause I'm fascinated by yeah. it. And she goes, well, when you started praying for me, I immediately saw myself on the field in this huge stadium. And she said, as you were praying, the stadium was filling up with people and they were cheering. And she said, as soon as you, um, you know, cast out the, the, the demon, everybody exploded and erupted in cheering. And then, you know, she hit the deck and she got up and she was free. So not only did she get free, but she saw this really, God showed her this really cool picture about, you know, how heaven is like kind of like cheering her on in yeah. this, in this thing. And so it was just super powerful. And wow. she's, you know, she left that day like free, like smiling, laughing, no fear. 
What, what percentage Amazing. of people right now are walking around with fear? Golly. More than ever, more than ever in history. More than ever in history, no question. No question. What are we at, 75%, you think? Probably, at least. At least? Yeah. And that includes people in the church. I mean, yeah. even in our church, yeah. people still don't still don't know it's just a sad it's a sad thing but that's why you know i'm so i'm so um passionate about the power of god what's your favorite sermon that you do do you have one that's favorite like that you love like do you, do you ever repeat uh, a sermon at different locations or yeah um, what's your favorite thing that you go off on um, you just love firing up about yeah obviously love, besides healing and all yeah um shoot i like the I like the one I re- like a recent one I did was was pretty good. It was called Two Faced. That was kind of cool. That was kind of fun. And by the way, the guys, his, his nickname is John the Hammer Heinrichs because <laughs> you just bring it home, right? The Hammer. Yeah. All right. So just talk to me to. about Two Faced. Yeah, that one's kind of fun. It's just about like operating in two different realms, you know, like the spirit realm and the natural realm, and how we have access to power and we have access to do things on the earth, and what you do on earth affects heaven, you know. So there's certain things we do here that that um releases the power of god in your life and there's certain things you do in the power you know that releases things on earth so there's just it's just kind of like a it's kind of like a fun fun sermon but a powerful one yeah. and it makes you think you know i like to make people think a little bit when i when i talk so go on about say it. things that shock you yeah tell you me know? a little bit about it then the, the yeah. two-faced um, touch on it yeah so so the bible says and you know i got this i got this kind of idea when i was watching um aquaman the movie and I don't know if you've seen it, I have. but um, he's like, he's feeling insecure because he's no, he's not human and he's not a fish. He's like both. And he's like, I can't lead, I can't lead us out of this thing because I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm both. I'm this and that. And she goes, that's exactly why you should lead us out of this thing. And it's like, I was watching that movie. I'm like, that's how we are. Like we're both, we're spirit and body, we're spirit, we're super and we're natural. And so, um, so it's just this idea of we're the only creation in the universe that can operate in these two realms. Angels are spirits. They can't operate in, on the earth. Like they can't operate in a body. They just are spiritual. Animals are just flesh. They don't have a spirit. They don't have a, they don't have a spirit, so they can't operate. They can't access that. But we're both. We can operate in the spirit realm and in the natural realm. And the Bible says that we are kings and priests. In the Bible, a king is the very top of, of authority on the earth. In, in the Bible, a priest is the very top of authority in the spirit realm. And so we can operate at the highest levels at, in both realms. And no other being in the universe can do that. So it's pretty crazy. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a fun thing to think about. You know? yeah. yeah. It's trippy. It's trippy. Big time. Yeah. And so with, um, and so, okay, so what's the plans next? You had mentioned something prior to, to the interview today, like Balboa, are you, we expanding? You're going to go with another campus. What's, uh, can we plant a seed here? Yeah. I mean, we're believing for another couple of campuses this year, yeah. um, in the central region. Um, uh, defined central. Oh, this area right here. Yeah. This area, like from basically from like. I would say like um, North Park to Escondido, kind of 15 to the 5, like in that yeah. kind of region. Because Balboa is packed to the brim. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it has been for a little while. So it we, has. we just, there's not really much room to grow there. So we got to have another. You have to. Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember every time, I know that every time I go there, it's like I can't, I can barely get a seat. Yeah. No matter what one, I, which service I go to. Yeah. 
yeah. it's crazy yeah um so. okay so now you're healing is this something you can do like our listeners and watchers can can you like if they're listening to this and they've got sickness or fear or anything are you yeah was it effective right yeah. over a mic yeah i've done it on um had people healed on live stream multiple times really yeah yeah and so what's your what would you say um and I talk about this a lot as far as people that are watching, watching, listening, that are skeptical about Christianity, skeptical about God. And Tom Foster hit on this a little bit, quite a bit, actually, about, like, what do you say to these people that right now they've lost hope? They don't know where to turn. This thing is they're curious about God. They're curious about Jesus. I have a lot of friends right now. Um, as you you probably know, I have a lot of people coming through me to the church right now a lot yeah. just because I'm showing my life the fruit in my life that's happening now the last mm -hmm. year since I've been at Awaken. Mm -hmm. So people are now going, dude, what's up with that church? And I'm like, just come. Anytime yeah. you want to come, text me. Yeah. And now they're starting to come. They're starting yeah. up, but there's still some sitting around the outskirts. Like, I just don't know. Yeah. What, what do you say to these people that are just like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know this. What does this Jesus thing mean? I don't get it. Yeah. I would say a lot of people don't think they're um, worthy to come to church because uh, of their past. So they're, they're, unadmittedly probably in a little bit of shame, like they don't think they deserve to come to church. They don't think God would treat them right because they've lived a certain way that they've lived. But that's actually the very reason Jesus came was to save those that are sick or unrighteous, not the people that were already saved, you know? So the very reason people stay away from church is the very reason Jesus came to save us because we've all sinned. We all still sin, even if we are saved, you know? But I think becoming a Christian and, and coming into the, to, to, um, you know, the church is kind of admitting like, hey, I can't do it all by myself. Like, I need help. You know, I need somebody. I need something. And I think everybody, if you've never accepted Jesus into your life, you um, inherently know that there's something missing. There's a void. Um, people always talk about, like, I had this, like, void. You know, I was a... Um, they say, you know, I was into personal development and I was positive and I was successful and I was making money and I had everything, but there was like a void. And so that's usually what people say. Well, the only way to fill that void is Jesus. That's why you have a void. And so I would, um, I would just say, come try it, check it out. You're not going to die. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> if you don't like it, don't, don't stay, but come and like give, give Jesus a chance. I mean, he created us. And so how can you live the life that your creator created for you if you don't know your creator? So I would just say, come in and give it a shot. Yeah, and that's basically what I've been doing with everybody that's coming through me. It's like, I don't have to know anything. Mm -mm. All, I, all I know is I'm a light, and they're attracted to it, which is happening through the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, just come. Yeah. Try it. Yeah. If it, if it feels right, keep coming. Yeah. If it doesn't, don't. Yeah. I'm not going to force you. No. Right? No. All right. So let's get down here. Um, what do we do here? My buddy that's really sick. Yeah. I also want to, I, I almost want to let you let it fly for a prayer just for healing of people that are watching in fear. What do you, what do you think? Do we do a fear prayer? Do we talk to my guy, Nick? Yeah, we could do a fear what prayer. We could do a healing prayer. We could do both if you want. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's do. Uh, if, if you're okay with this. Yeah. You're okay with it. Absolutely. Okay. You, you sure you got the authority? I sure. I'm sure I do. 
Well, I don't have to have it. God has it in me. So, you know, it's like I love easy. this, Jonathan. Let John, 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 dude, I, this is just so exciting for me to, to learn this stuff. Yeah. Because all I know is something's right. Yeah. And the rest I'm learning on the fly. Yeah, you just keep going, man. It's just like anything. You just keep going. You start to learn. You start to practice. And it gets easier. Like I thought my wife and I been together 21 years, two kids. I thought life was great, and it was. Life was phenomenal. I didn't think it could get better. Yeah. Because we just have lived our life as just such a positive, give it everything you got every day, live with passion, love, do right by others, make it happen, make a difference, and make no excuses. That's the my tagline here, right? Love it. Then we walk into Awaken, and this goes to like times 100. Wow. And, and not only times 100 of who we are as human beings, but then surrounding ourselves, being surrounded by people like yourself, Dr. Matt, Pastor Jurgen, mm-hmm. Ernie and Fiona. Go down the list, man. Yeah. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Tom Foster. Yeah. I, I, I can just keep going and going. Yeah. The most quality, solid, incredible people that we have ever met in our entire lives. And the fact that now that not only we're surrounded by them, but every single one of them, I'll say you, because you've been with the church for so long, you guys... You you not only you not only want the best for us, but you're literally rooting us on and praying for us, and you want us to wholeheartedly succeed, to move the because you know that the kingdom, right? Yeah, we take territory. We, yeah, we build the kingdom together. Wealth yeah. creation. Yeah, it's Absolutely. unbelievable. Yeah, it's unbelievable. So for people listening that are here in San Diego, guys. You, you, they've seen our life. We've had a great life. But now since we got to Awaken, it's ridiculous. It's like I'm pinching myself. Is this really happening? I know. It could, get, it could actually get better, and it has. And now we have people around us. Because everything in life is about who you surround yourself with. Everything yeah. is who you surround yourself with. It's number one. 100%. Like you said, the guy. Do what they did. Tony Robbins. Yeah. Do what he did. Model. That's what this is about. Yeah. We're, they're, but you're living a lifestyle of Christianity, and then you become who you hang around, and next thing you know, you've got all this fruit, getting rid of fear. Fruit is why we stayed. We came and we, didn't, we didn't understand everything, Yeah, like you're saying, but I would look at their marriage, I would yes. look at their life, I'd look at their kids, I would look at their authentic passion for God. I'm like, I want that. Right. So something's going yes. on right here. So that's why we literally stayed and while we were okay with not knowing everything right away you know we just learned as we went but we wanted the fruit that was here that's exactly my wife and yeah. i our family story it yeah. like, to the t my, my wife's mom's buddhist wow okay my wife i hadn't been in a church in 35 40 years other than one or two here and there just on the fly whatever mm-hmm. but literally 40 and even i was uh, catholic church and as a kid is just kneeling standing kneeling sitting falling asleep yeah it was nothing nothing yeah. took yeah. Zero religion whatsoever. Not even like I don't even like calling awakened religion. By the way, because yeah. you just can't. Yeah, it doesn't give it a right name. No, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. So, so the fact that and 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 like you said, I just saw this beautiful marriage, this amazing person, this be- Mike Finn, Rachel Finn. Oh, love him. my guy. I can go on about Mike. Yeah, he's, he's the first person that ever prayed for me in my life. Oh wow. Ever. We didn't even he's know each other. He guy. came up to me and said, "JD, I, I got something for you." Would you mind if I prayed for you? I'm like, yeah, hit me, bro. Hit me. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but hit me. Yeah, hit me. But I knew what he was going to say. Yeah. Uh, prophetically, I knew what was wow. going to come out of his mouth. 
like where I am as a human, where I was a year and a half ago, whatever, when he prayed. So anyway, I'm going down the list here with these people that are just, they're they're wholeheartedly betting on us. They're rooting for us. Yeah. You don't have that in life. You don't. You really don't. No one does. Maybe a couple people, if you're lucky, are are actually wholeheartedly want to see you succeed. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Awaken, we have hundreds of people that wholeheartedly want John and Becky to thrive. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It's unheard of. It's unheard of. It's impossible to not want to grow and grow at this in this <laughs> environment, you know? It's like, like exciting. Yeah, yeah, we were hungry before this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like to move forward, to build, to, to grow, to do more good in the world, to make an impact. We were really motivated. Now, it's crazy. It's yeah. at a freaking ridiculous level. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. I've even stopped swearing a lot. Wow, good job, man. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I never swear on the podcast. Had I not... What? I don't. <laughs> I say freaking a lot. That's acceptable, I think, right? Sure. Sure, freaking, whatever. <laughs> but my point is, I remember because the Pathfinder program flushed this podcast out of me. The Pathfinder oh. program. My, my calling, I'm calling it. Yeah. Calling, calling it. The Pathfinder program flushed this out of me. I said, I'm going to do something's on my heart. I got to do this. That's cool. And then I asked Fiona. I'll never forget Fiona. Like my thing, I'm from Jersey and I was in the military. The the F-bomb is like the and and to me. Yeah. My mom swore my whole childhood. So I'm just F-F-F-F. Do I swear on the podcast? She goes, what would your viewership be like? I'm like, well, now I got a lot of Christian friends. It's not going to (laughs) be. They're probably not going to listen. She goes, there's your answer. Yeah. I said, that could be tough. But my point is, man, I just want to grow. I want to evolve. Yeah, yeah. And here we are. I'm sitting across from John Heinrichs, the lead pastor of Balboa Awaken, dude. It's crazy. So fun. This is crazy. I'm so new, learning on the fly, and the master blaster, the hammer, the prophetic uh, healer, the, the natural healer, the guy is in my podcast office. Uh, it's an honor, man. It's an honor to be here. I'm, really I'm, dude, I'm so honored that you came in, that you gave me your time, um, and, and now we're going to finish with, um, I want you to knock these guys' socks off, bro. Okay. We'll do it. Should we hit a fear one first? Yeah, we'll hit a fear one first. Okay, hit a fear one first, and then we're going to specifically go after my guy, Nick. Okay. All right. So you can up. say this. If you're, if you're at home listening to this, I always like to um, kind of lead you in a prayer first. And then I'll I'll pray because it just kind of gets your your heart right, and you can stand in your own authority. Um, but just say, dear Jesus, I thank you that you died on a cross to set me free. So de- today, right now, I declare that I am free from fear, and I command you, fear, to leave my life in Jesus' name. Go now. So I want you to say that prayer, and now I'm going to pray for you. Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you for all these people that are listening to this podcast, watching this podcast. Father, all those people that are suffering or tormented by fear, I speak to you now in the name of Jesus. And I speak to fear specifically in Jesus' name. In fear, I break your grip on the people listening to this podcast in Jesus' name. I command you to release people now in Jesus' name. Get off their life. I forbid you to torment them anymore, any further in Jesus' name. Go from them now. And I forbid you to... to to retaliate. I forbid you to come back. I forbid you to torment them again. In Jesus' name, I set you free by the power 
of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, now I want you to just walk around and say, God, thank you for setting me free. Thank you for setting me free. Whenever you hear that voice of fear, just say, God, thank you for setting me free. Thank you for setting me free. And now you just got to walk it out. That's it. Beautiful, bro. That's it. Beautiful. All right, let's hit Nick. So my guy, Nick. Nick. Bad shape. Uh, very, very good friend of mine. Family friend. Family, I consider him. Um, autoimmune. The, the doctors can't explain anything. Just okay. can't explain. I don't even know what else to give you. Yeah. But uh, wifey is, uh, you know, she's in rough shape because she doesn't know what to do. She doesn't have her man anymore. Mm-hmm. He, he can having a hard time functioning, losing his sight. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Let's pray for him. All right. Let's do it. Nick. Father, I thank you for Nick. And Lord, I thank you that your plan for him is not sickness and pain, but it's healing and freedom. So right now, in the name of Jesus, we lift up Nick to you, God. And Lord, I know you're a good God, and I know that healing is what you do. You said, I am Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. Jesus said that we, that, that, uh, sorry, Peter said that we were healed by the stripes of Jesus. So right now, I speak to Nick. I speak to your body, Nick, in the name of Jesus. I come against this autoimmune disease. Psalm 103 says that we serve a God that healed all of our diseases. So right now, you autoimmune disease, in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave Nick's body in Jesus' name. Now, in Jesus' name, spirit of infirmity, I break your power over Nick. I command you to release him now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would put your hand on Nick, that healing would flow through his body. I speak to his immune system. I command it to work in Jesus' name. Speak to every cell, be healed now. Be healed now in Jesus' name. I command your eyes to work. See, you will see in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for every cell, every system in his body. Just let healing go through him right now. Go through them right now. Let it fall, let it fall, let it fall right through. And sickness, you shift off his life. Shift off his life. Father, I thank you for his wife. Pray that faith and hope would be put on the inside of her today as she listens to this. Faith and hope would come on the inside of her. Lord, that they would be reunited as a, a married couple that can do things together, that can laugh together, that can eat together, that can exercise together. Father, I thank you for your healing power this day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Dude. Amen, man. Real deal talk. John Heinrich, the hammer. Dude, I love you, bro. Appreciate you coming in. Appreciate you, man. That's a wrap right there. Real deal talk. Come on.